Exits for Podcast is brought to you by the Cage Club Network. So for all things media, check out cageclub.me. Hey everybody, welcome back to Exit for Podcasts, a show where we take a look at the adventures of comics' marvelous mutants week after week through their many monthly titles. I'm Nico, and you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at NicoAction. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. Don't forget to follow the show over on YouTube, Twitter, and Patreon at Exit for Podcast, where you can help shape the future of the show, as well as get involved with our project, The Daily X, where we bring you more amazing content every day. Sure enough, we have a jam-packed episode for you today, so without further ado, let's get into more Hellfire Gala coverage. Kick things off with back-to-back perspectives on planet size X-Men. Jerry Dugan changed everything with this issue and we couldn't have enjoyed it anymore, which is why we had triple the coverage. We hope you guys enjoy. Hey, Hello everyone and welcome to the next segment of X's for Podcast. I am Rod Savage. <laughs> you can find me at Rod Kamada at Twitter and Instagram. That's R-O-D-C-O-M-M-A-T-H-E. And today we have with us the ridiculous raven wow bitch i'm gonna remember that i'm gonna gonna go ahead and remember that for you Mm -hmm. hello this is raven aka dame red bento feel free to come on over and find me and talk to me because yeah i have an opinion on everybody or everything and yeah give me something i'll review it trust me i i i love giving opinions on shit Ah, and today we also have the dangerously daring Dante. How are you doing today? Oh, thank you, Raven. What a what an introduction. Hello, everybody. Uh, this is Dante, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Inferno Magic. That is magic with a K. And I will throw it back over to Rowdy Rod. Rowdy Rod. <laughs> All right, today, y'all, we're talking about the earth-shattering, planet-making, planet-sized X-Men. Yeah. (laughs) Giant-sized X-Men changed the world about 50, 60 years ago, and now planet-sized X-Men changed the universe. So, (laughs) it was by Gary Dugan, is the writer, Pepe Larraz is the artist, Marty Garcia is the color artist, and VC's Clayton Cowles is the letter. Now, this issue set fire on X Twitter that morning, as I knew it would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. This beautiful, Sick. amazing, super special book by two amazing artists that really show how glorious this book is. But today we're going to say what our favorite parts were. I want Raven. I want to put you on the spot first. Oh, God. <laughs> what What's going on? I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> you have to pick your ultimate favorite part of Planet Size X-Men. What would it be? Ultimate, ultimate, ultimate Planet Size part. Okay, well, I can't pick one part per se, but I absolutely adored being introduced to the mutants who would be helping to um, terraform everything. So... Uh, uh, Latuka the Knower, Subnar of the Depths, Zelo, the first defender of this broken land. Like, that was so cool to get to get introduced to some more um, mutants from Morocco, Amenth, whatever you want to call it. It was so great to actually get to meet more of them and see them, like, do this because we're so used to our own mutants doing whatever they want and creating Krakoa and doing this, that, and the other. But it was so 
beautiful to see it done in such a very different way on a planet-sized level using mutants who desperately needed a safe home. So to me, I'm just like, mm, I'm going to be here crying. Oh my God, they're terraforming everything. I love it. Uh. But yeah, that's my favorite part. Favorite part. I definitely love that. I mean, when the Somner of the Depths like cut their wrists and got amplified by hope and like made the whole ocean of the planet up, just, I mean, yeah. talk about glorious. Mm. <laughs> the Iraqi right. mutants were the moment. Like, they mm. just hit mm. it. Oh so good <laughs> it's amazing it was just, i mean i know if you're not like a, if you're not like the um the hugest x-men fan you might read this and be like what the what is happening i don't even care but like you if you're the x if you're a hardcore x-men fan not even hardcore just fly by either way you're looking at this and being like this shit is fucking wild they just created a, a planet or terraformed a planet in a less than a day <laughs> do you even even if you just like seeing mutants that are non-humanoid looking, mm-hmm. this is definitely your book because it, it, it's not the same mutants that we've mm-hmm. seen before. It's, they're very they're drawn very differently. Everything about them is different. I love it. Yeah, no ah, matter sorry. no matter what your fandom is in the Marvel universe, mm-hmm. like this is a moment. Like this is yeah. a defining mm-hmm. moment for mutants, and it's going to affect the entire Marvel universe. Like there's Absolutely. no way that this can be ignored. So yeah, it's I mean this is this is one of those issues like. Like everybody should own this. Exactly. They was just like they like they said, Marvel wasn't playing. This is just like giant size X Men. Especially like fifty years from now, this is definitely gonna be oh. one of those books that people have. Uh I, I, I recommend it to a lot of people that don't even read X Men but like read Marvel. They're like, Oh, I haven't been reading the X Men titles too many books. I don't oh. like it. I'm just like shush, 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 shush. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, go read it on Marvel Limited and culture mm-hmm. yourself. First of all, and then then second of all, get Planet Size X-Men if you're going to do anything else and read it. And that will hopefully inspire you to read other things of X-Men because I've had people that um, I had someone message me and they read it and they were like, I don't understand what's Arakoa. Why did they get a planet? Why didn't Krakoa get the planet? I don't understand. I'm like, you need to go read the books. But also, if you don't want to read everything, at least go read Exoswords. Because mm-hmm. then you find out what, like, the whole deal of Arakoa is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. No, that's perfectly, perfectly, uh, yeah. No, that's exactly it. Like, no, that's exactly it. I'm like, no, those were the words. Those were the words. Those were the words. <laughs> Dante, we did Raven's favorite part. And I feel like a lot of our favorite parts are probably going to be the same anyway. But if, exactly. you could, if you had to, like, pinpoint, like, a certain thing. If you had to like look at these pages, screenshot it and post it on Twitter, what would you post? <laughs> Raven did kind of steal my my point. Like uh, the mutants, I, the the Iraqi mutants are amazing. So I'm gonna pivot. I'm gonna go to the slightly more ridiculous part of the book because I feel like so much of the this overall book was just gorgeous, beautiful, quiet, powerful moments. And then we had this amazing, ridiculous moment when um, Monarch births a new sword station. And I'm just like, this is so stupid and I love it. Like, <laughs> Oh, my freaking God. Like, basically, Quentin and Jean impregnate Monarch with an idea. And he is so literal that he gives birth to a sword too. And I think it's so funny, so ridiculous. And he's like, so um, he's oddly, like, excited and, and happy about that. Like... 
he's not upset at all. He's just like almost pleased with himself. So <laughs> he's, he's a very proud papa. Happy Father's Day, Monarch. But yeah, that I mean, that was probably one of those standout moments in this book, just because everything else like had that again, like kind of that quiet powerfulness to it. This was like loud and ridiculous and beautiful <laughs> at the same time. Oh, sure. definitely. I <laughs> this I, this threw me for a loop. Like every, you know, we all kind of guessed that they were going to take over Mars. We yeah. All were like, oh, Arakoa getting the planet. That makes sense, you know. Mm-hmm. But. Gene and Quinn Choir being like, oh, wait, we got an idea. And What was Earth going to do with it? I mean, right. Earth couldn't even get to it, so. No, they couldn't. Humans are going to get to that for like another 100 years or so. Right? I, I just love that, like, Gene and Quinn were like, oh, we should build another space station, right? And then he just bursts out of his stomach and doesn't, first of all, it doesn't even kill Monarch, which is a testimony to him. Like, we know he's on mega level. He can manipulate reality obviously because it birthed the space station but i didn't technically realize how powerful he was i guess and this was definitely a show of that honey 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 <laughs> he he had the heel team right next to him he had heel team six I mean, true, true. It's a heel team five right next to him like i mean that's true he, he survived <laughs> because of that because of hope and, yeah. and elixir but still yeah. <laughs> But also, I looked at the wording of that, and I'm like, wait, have you thought about your words? Because you are talking to a demented, very much scattered, chaotic, reality bender, mm-hmm. ripper? I don't know what you want to call it, but you're te- you're telling somebody who can rip apart reality as he sees fit and can take Mis- Mr. Sinister's cape from him. Uh, you're telling him some very literal words. So the moment I saw that, especially the way it was drawn, like that that idea being implanted, I'm like, oh, this is going to be messed up real quick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, ooh, that's aliens, but in reverse. Oh. <laughs> it was so good. It was so good. A little bit in reverse. I guess it is reverse because he doesn't plan on aliens, a spaceship. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Spaceship comes you. out of the man versus the alien comes out. I get you. I get you. I was like, wait, it's still coming out the stomach. <laughs> I do love that he makes the port too, and it's really cool. I'm like, yeah, man, yeah. this this planet is getting done up. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, they've got a space station. They've got gates. They make medicine. They're doing, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's been completely terraformed, and like, there's an ocean added, and the soil is actually now living. And like, oh my god, they did so much, but it's so good. And yeah. storm brought the weather. I know. Okay, so <laughs> that was. That was my favorite part. (laughs) That was my favorite part. Um, I will celebrate everything Storm for the rest of my life. Um, Uh There's so much to celebrate in this book, and we can also talk about that real quick, because we've got time. We'll do it. Whatever. (laughs) But I just love, especially Bobby, too, both of them really showing out on how they're Omega-level mutants, because we we know they are. They've shown how they are. But, like... Doing this on a planet, really, in this big book that everyone's going to read and they're really showing off, it really made me happy to see, like, you know, this strong Black woman and, like, this strong gay man really being the the corner of the main, like, X-Men mutants doing this for this planet. Like, ugh, just... It was everything. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. They did so good. They did so good with this. Like, 
love everything about this. Like, the art was gorgeous. Oh, yeah. I mean, <sighs> it's so the so art, the colors, so like, well thought through. Oh, ridiculously good. Oh. Yeah, Pepe La Raza and Marty Garcia are gonna be just stoned in one of the best artists of this generation mm-hmm. for books. It's just, I feel like either every one of these pages could be hanged up in a house, or hung up, hung up in a house, and people would just be like, "Wow, that's beautiful." Every single page, <laughs> <laughs> right? It's, oh, it's yeah. And Rod, to your point, like I, I do love the way all of the Omega Mutants are showcased throughout. Like everyone kind of gets their moment to shine, which is really cool. Um, Magneto is the driving force, but like we see, you know, Bobby step up and do his thing in a really showboaty Bobby way, which you know, great. And then I mean, Storm without any words, right? She's just that presence. Um, and then mm-hmm. of course the Rocky mutants, who I absolutely love now and I'm obsessed with, and I want you know like stuffed animals and t-shirts with them on it and everything um, i know right <laughs> <laughs> like it's just it's really great to see all of these these old and new mutants uh characters um getting getting the spotlight like it's i think it's beautiful yeah and i i even like it that we get you know some of the summers family get the help like you know hope is a power like at the battery for, for all of it yeah but not for not for storm and iceman but, you know for the other ones and, and vulcan does some good stuff because yeah. he, he you know we don't get to see vulcan do a lot and he's just kind of there and now he you know actually matters that he's here so i love that <laughs> like, wait you know? so, summer's family I, I mean yeah i guess gene was sort of there. no i just um well, no, hope, I, hope and vulcan I, are summer hope and vulcan so, yeah no 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 no, no. Yeah. they're competent and they don't whine enough or have enough interpersonal <laughs> Oh, Raven, I actually don't think you read enough of them because they are both pretty whiny. Hope is definitely whiny. <laughs> okay, yeah, a little bit whiny, but also look at who their father is. Just... Exa- I mean, case in point. <laughs> Cable and Scott both oh. help raise Hope a little bit. It's She did not learn. She, she didn't have a chance. She yeah. didn't have a chance, man. I'm just saying. <laughs> No, no, but I kid. No, it it was really great to see not just family, but also found family, like coming together and new found family coming together to like really make this place what it's going to be. And oh my God, that last page, that last reveal, Mm, chef's kiss. So good. So good. I can't wait. Oh, I want to see so much more. Oh, much more of this. Oh, yeah. Oh, much more of this. I want to go back one thing, or another thing. We might go back another one after this, too. (laughs) Just an insane moment that I've seen people online, even Jordan B. White with the X and Mondays talk about it. Um, Yeah, like when Gene and Exodus teleport with the other Omega mutant, teleporter mutant that knows everything. Mm -hmm. Gateway? Oh, no, no. I think it's it's Luca. Yeah. Uh, Lutuka. Lutuka? Oh, Lutuka the Noir. Yeah. And they teleport Ara Arakoa to the planet. I mean, so good. It shouldn't make sense, but it does because it's mutant power and it's glorious. Uh, It's just, I didn't, that's one of the things I didn't expect either. I knew they were going to get, you know, everything to the planet, but I didn't know how. 
And I didn't know it was going to be like that. And that just looks so scary, but also very beautiful. Right. But I mean, it, it makes sense. And I I love the fact that they've been um, outside of this particular show. I love the fact that mutants have been working on more fastball specials where they, you know, combine powers and synchronize and see how they can amplify each other. Like Hope was doing a lot of amplification of powers for different uh, mutants. You know, they're they're working together to figure out, okay, how best do our powers work? And so, it, yeah, that would be the perfect thing. If you have somebody who can do large transportation, but they need to know exactly where shit is, and they can't even be off by a quarter of an inch, then yes, taking a mutant who knows where literally everything is located within the universe so that you can't miss is probably your best bet. <laughs> like, honestly. But yeah, so it, it was so interesting that they decided to use the powers in that way. And it, it came out so, it came out seamless. And I loved it. I'm like, oh, thank God. Because honestly, yeah, no, you miss and accidentally drop, you know, this what, giant continent-sized thing in the wrong area. Oops. We just took out an entire mountain range and opened up a few volcanoes on ourselves. That's not good. Like, we just killed all of Arakoa. That wasn't the plan. Oh my God. Can you, can you imagine? Oh my God. Oh, uh, uh, anyway, I can't. Uh, right? <laughs> Oops, sweet. Oops, we dropped it in a volcano. It's not an acceptable excuse. Give it a few years. Someone is going to come along and try to, like, kill off all the uh, Iraq mutants. I will. I will. You know what? I'm not even going to They can it. fight me. <laughs> they can but, fight me. Speaking, speaking of the Iraqis, I love that. I mean, the Iraqi people are basically the people of color mutants, like the black mutants. A lot of them we've seen have been black mutants or just non-humanoid mutants at this mm -hmm. point. So I love that we get, you know, Apocalypse and Genesis, the statues of them, because they are like the parents of that island now, planet. Now, Raven, as a fellow Black person. <laughs> what? what? Oh, my God, you're Black? What? Um, <laughs> Sorry. So everybody, Raven just looked into a mirror for the first time in her life. She's like, ah. I'm what now? I'm what <laughs> Sorry. You were sick. What did you, how do you feel about like this kind of being like a representation of Black people getting their reparations, like getting their own planet after they, you know, helped their Kokoa? Like, it's not really a metaphor for that, but when I was reading this and saw Apocalypse of Genesis have statues of themselves, I was like, this is kind of that. They might not even planned it as that, like the writers, but I was seeing it as that. Now, what'd you think? See I don't, I don't think that it is uh, reparations. I think that this is much more like when the Black Panthers uh, set up um, patrols and did their own thing within the Black community and very much eliminated the need for outside presence such as police because police were corrupt and they were, you know, uh, killing community members and harassing them and whatnot. I look at this much more as Arako is the Black Panthers and they've helped the rest of the, the Black community or people of color come together, coalesce their own spot that they can then um, police and interact with and everybody there is taken care of, which is exactly what the Black Panthers did. So to me, this feels much more like... Um, like, yeah, like the late 1960s-ish era where, you know, yes, a place has been set up of our own making 
to give ourselves a safe place to be and and be who we are and just be free and joyous about it. So I see that as a good thing because they aren't they have a place where they're not going to be persecuted. But I also see this as a bad thing or I, I know it's going to be a sticking point because you now have people who are going what they're on mars they're colonizing mars they can't do that like it's not your planet like so i can i can see where i can see where the tension is gonna come in possibly from the human side Absolutely. but again this is something that has happened in history before so i love the how they've taken the analogy and kind of um, um, twisted it a bit or, or mm -hmm. rotated it a bit because it still holds really, really true. They're just, they're gently turning it so you can see it with fresh eyes. And I love that. Yeah, I think Gene even kind of helps, like, helps to kind of clarify that too. Uh, because I think, I think Rocco deserved this, right? Like, there, I don't think there's any doubt about that. They deserved this. Uh, but they needed to also feel like they earned it. It did need to be their Omega mutants helping to make this happen to being really integral to it. Otherwise it's going to feel hollow. Like, you know, it's, it's going to feel empty. And uh, you know, the, the Iraqi, as we've seen are very proud people. And so, and they're, they're strong. I mean, you don't want to fuck with them. So like, of course, like they, if they're going to take a planet, like they're going to take a planet. And if it wasn't Mars, it might've been earth. So <laughs> Like people need to realize that like this is actually a really good thing for for everybody involved. Yeah, well, and I I kind of loved it because they're like we're not asking you to hand us anything. We'll take it by force if yeah. we need to. But we also believe in 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 you know working the land and you know doing doing something with the sweat of our own brow, which is what they have been doing this entire time. So it was great because you kind of see them um being uh, debriefed and taught how to transition into more civilian life. So their victory, instead of it being um, at the point of a sword, was on the blade of a plow. So like they won by creating something, not by having to kill something, which I love. I love. Yeah, that is awesome. And I love that they stick true to how the uh, Iraqis, Ar Arakos, Iraqis? <laughs> it, Arakis? I call them Iraqi, Iraqi. Yeah, Iraqi. Yeah. That's okay. what I've seen the most. I feel like. Okay. Yeah. I like how the Iraqi. Uh, I like how they keep the Iraqis' nature like still with themselves. They're not like, oh yeah, you can come visit Mars or whatever. They're like, yeah. no, no, no. If you step off of like the Lake Hollis the diplomatic ring, then uh -huh. you face their laws, and their uh -huh. laws are harsh because. They're a war type people because they did that for thousands of years. They don't know another mindset. Their war now is with hope, like with peace, because they have to reset their mindset to not always fight. But mm -hmm. I like how they're like, no, this isn't a vacation spot for people. This is their planet. You know, mm -hmm. and you have to go to that diplomatic spot if you want to visit there or else. Like, because this is like their new home. You don't just go there just because. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm so excited to see how many uh, Earthers fuck that up. <laughs> like, need to be rescued. <laughs> what about, what about, I don't know, the Shi'ar Empire? Because tell me those little weasels won't try and come in and pull some shit in the Iraq. You're just going to go, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I think you just fucked around. Time for you to find out. Like, I love the fact that they're a hub now because who's, Who's going to show up on that planet and be a jackass when you have that many Omega level and, and very powerful mutants who have not one day had to take bullshit just lying down. They've been taught to fight with it. So it's like, 
we're trying to be nice and peaceful over here, but if you want to start some shit, we got a couple thousand years on you. Let's do this. Like, uh, I actually feel like the rest of the universe might really respect the Iraqi. Like, I, I feel like, I mean, I feel like it's going to be well deserved, and, and I think mm-hmm. that people, uh, other, other, you know, extraterrestrial races will learn to respect our planet, our, you know, the solar system because of that. I mean, if you. If you think about it, a lot of the other aliens or creatures in the solar system respect mutants a lot more than they respect humans. Like the Shi'ar respect the hell of, hell out of the mutants. Like they owe Storm a a um, a favor because she helped them in that um in that one X Men issue recently or you know months ago yeah. like recently. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean that's why I also think that's why she'll become like the 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 soul. The regent, regent. Of soul, yeah. yeah, the regent. So I think that's gonna be Storm because also Hickman said that he's gonna do something with her, and I believe his next book. It's still a question because they don't want to give anything away. I think it's gonna be about the planet. So one hundred percent agree. I because I'm still I'm still thinking about the um, Storm's tarot card from X of Swords, where it very much looked like she was leading leading a people, and I think that that could be uh, the Iraqi people. And it makes sense because she's leading the dead and they were supposed to, no one thought they were alive, they thought they were dead. So they are technically, you know, the undead or something. I don't know. They represent that because they were thought to be dead, but now they're not. <laughs> so, you know, I, yeah, I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling straws I, at this point, but. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. Not even just because of the X of Swords, but because, I mean, she literally brought the weather to this planet. She is a mutant who is also a great representative for Earth, but also for mutant kind. She knows diplomacy forwards and backwards. And she can also beat the living shit out of somebody, whether she has her powers or not. So I honestly think she's going to be great as like my first choice for Regent, simply because she has proven herself over and over again. And her her decision-making skills are like wonderfully done. Her tactical uh, skills are on par. Like she would be probably one of the perfect people to do this for or with because she's got the strength, she's got the power, she's got the mind for it. And um, I, I think if she has to go through a crucible-like uh, event, that might be the the compromise that she has to make. Is like, okay, well, you're going to be going here. We need you to do a crucibles to show these these people, especially the people of Morocco, that you are willing to die for your cause, that you are willing to to lay down for for this planet. Because if you're not willing to sacrifice yourself for this planet, which is filled with mutants who have been sacrificing themselves for thousands of years in order to make sure that they continue on as strong as they can be, like I think she's going to have to show that she's willing. That's a good point. I didn't think about that at all. Hmm. Um, they might do that. I don't. I'm not sure. I know she's really against dying because <laughs> who is it? Um, but you I know, do recognize just, that, right? And this, but in this, in this day, in this time for the mutants, a lot of mutants are like, "Oh well, I can die. It's fine. I'll just be brought back." She's like, "No, my life means something." But that would yeah. mean something if she died for that. So yes, you know, absolutely. I have to so, wonder, yeah. though, I mean, in my mind, I feel like maybe um, the Iraqi people already respect Storm because she defeated death. Without powers. With, yeah. 
So like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of hoping that that exists because I, they respect strength. And I would imagine that anybody who could defeat one of their, their warriors uh, would be respected. I wouldn't want it. To, I honestly don't want it to be anybody else unless it's an yeah. era co- like an Iraqi. Then I would mm-hmm. then fine. But like if it's somebody from Kokoa and it's not Storm, I'm gonna be like, why? It needs to be right? a good ex- <laughs> a really good explanation, mm-hmm. like a really good one. Because mm-hmm. I know some people were like, oh, well, what about Namor? And I was like, no. First of all, do why? you want them? <laughs> do you want them to blow up our planet with right? rocket? He, he would be the last person you'd want to then. Oh, he barely no. runs Atlantis right. So yes. That's a city. No, not even talking about a nation or a planet. Like, come on. So, uh, yeah. Some, I mean, you know, some people. Ooh, ideas. you can talk to fish. Ooh, <laughs> you're kind of strong. That's great. Do you run more than that little city? No? Oh, you hide as deep in those waves as humanly possible? Okay. Right. You went and locked away your cousins into the depths of the sea? Right. Really? Ooh. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah. No. No. Plus, no. he's disrespected Krakoa so much, so oh. it doesn't make sense anyway. Mm-hmm. No, let, let him show up. Let him show up. Let him step one foot off that ring. I'm sure somebody's going to be right there. Iska's going to be ready to take them toes. Just... <laughs> I do Fish say, sticks. I do want to say, uh, like, one of the last things I wanted to say for this, because we, we kind of, we already talked about it, um, mm-hmm. but I just wanted to make it prevalent, because I think they put it in here because of, like, what people would probably say after reading this. And it's kind of like what um, what Dante said about what Gene said, um, but this is the other redhead, Hope, <laughs> and the other psychic, Quentin Cryer. Quentin Cryer basically represents, like the, the, like, the trolls on the internet. Being like, well, you know, Krakoa beat them, and we kick, we, you know, we kicked their asses. So why are we giving them a planet? And I like how she's like, well, you're an o- omega level telepath, but you are really small minded sometimes. Because there's like, if you if the Iraqi haven't fallen and fought, there wouldn't be a, a Krakoa or a planet. Mars is a debt paid. Yep. I love that. Yep. And everyone, if you're a logical person, um, you already get that. But I'm glad that they put this page in here because that needed to be said. It it needed yeah. it needed to be outwardly said and not just like um for contextual like, con- context clues. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I I absolutely absolutely agree with you. <laughs> of course, it's Quentin Choir that's going to say that. It's Quentin Choir. Like you 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 know that he's going to be this way. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, he's. I love that the question was posed because I'm sure there's people who are going to ask it and it is answered. And I love that because it's just, it's not just the, oh, well, why are we giving them 40 acres and a mule? Yeah. Oh, let me explain something to you. Like, <laughs> like this, they gave you the explanation, even though it didn't need to be given, they gave mm. you the explanation so you can just go, that's why. That's why you don't get to question this. They, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't exist. We wouldn't have been able to survive. We would not have been able to build the way we do. We would not be able to bring our own back. Like there are reasons and they, they made good. They may have been in, in, in contest with us at one point, but this is all good. This needs to happen. So shut up, Quentin. (laughs) I mean, that's the tagline, right? Shut up. Um, right. But yeah, that is. Do y'all have anything else y'all would like to say before we send off? 
I can't wait to see what happens next, honestly. Like, if they could just make, like, you know, about uh, one of these a month, I'd completely fine. You know, that's that's a reasonable schedule, right? That's usually Hickman's MO. I think, it, I feel like this book <laughs> is going to be about the planet. Because, like, he went off the main X book. There's no mm-hmm. reason he would leave the main X book if it wasn't for something bigger. Because True. he's the head of X. So it has to, it has to, it, like, it has to be. It just has to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also really excited to see where we go from here. I mean, I think, um, if anything, like, there's been so much amazing groundwork laid for some spectacular stories. And I'm I'm excited to see and hopeful that we're going to get some, you know, people building off of these, you know, these great little seeds and nuggets that we're getting so and i i hope to see uh storm get her prominence because she deserves it she deserves it and it's been a long time long Cool, I see it. Alright, the Hellfire Gala is in full swing, and finally it's time to see the fireworks. And what a show it is. I'm Nathan, you can find me online at DazzlerAOA on Twitter and Instagram. Oh gosh, it's me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, hey guys, it's Maddie, and as always, you can find me over on Instagram at the Basely Covetous Man, and over on Twitter at Basely Covetous. Hey everybody, I'm your friendly neighborhood Nico, and you can find me thwipping around this show all over the place at Nico Action. That's N I C O A C T I O N. And I'm Jonah, and you can follow me over on Twitter and Instagram at PeakJonah. That's P-E-A-K. And we hope you survive this experience, just like the Omega-level mutants and the Iraqi on Mars, question mark, not clickbait. (laughs) I was worried for Jamie for a second after seeing Sword pop out of his belly, but he survived too. They didn't even need to resurrect him. So yay! I don't even have words to tell you how happy Gene and Quentin fathering a baby in Jamie made me that was like every part of my childhood in one delicious series of ice cream sundays it was just like sunday sunday this one's so good it's a monday it goes over into the next day it was amazing just like ashley simpson as the great poet laureate she is said on monday i'm waiting <laughs> tuesday i'm fading wednesday i can't breathe you know i've never realized it but ashley simpson is secretly solomon grundy oh my god <laughs> yes um wow that's great i can't even recover from that okay um so, uh, da, 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 da. after several issues of teasing the fireworks and the reactions to them and the varied reactions to them by the humans and the mutants, we finally arrive at Planet Size X-Men. It's written by Jerry Dugan, art by Pepe Larez, colors by Marte Gracia, and letters by Visual Calligraphy's Clayton Cowles. So this issue and its name do not disappoint. The mutants have terraformed Mars and are in the process of setting up a new government as well as birthing a new planet, the planet Arrakis. So, this is not a new idea, right? Mutant homeworld idea has been around for forever, floating around in the Marvel Universe. The first time I remember seeing it was in the Guardian of the Galaxies, when the mutants fled Earth to create a homeworld for themselves. So, the first question is, do you think the establishment of a mutant planet with a mutant governing, governing over mutants, was that inevitable? You know, planet is a good question, right? I, you know, like Jean Grey once said, I ate a planet. I didn't plan it. So I think when we're talking about the the planetary scope of it, they've actually been making a lot of hints about planetary stuff since Hoxpox began. 
the whole idea of terraforming Mars, it's been there. There's even that little hint of it in the Wolverine Black, White, and Blood issue. So with Ileana, there's a lot going on here that really plays into it. I will say, you know, when the mutants were like, we're going to take over Genosha, and you want to be like, the name is literally Genocide Island. You think Mm -hmm. about that, right? And now then they're like, we're going to take over Krakoa. And it's like, that island tried to eat you. You think about that. And now they're like, we're really good at uninhabitable. We're just really good at it. You give us your worst and we'll make it our best. Red Planet, here we come, right back where we started from. And it's a very the OC kind of the X-Men. Welcome to, you know, welcome to Planet Krakoa, bitch, right? It's all very exciting. And I think this was inevitable. I think it's inevitably going to shift different at some point. I don't know about just back, but this portion of the experiment, inevitable. Yeah, inevitable, yes. Necessary, yes. Um, will it be reversed potentially with time? Um, I truly hope not, because part of part of my part of my fear about moving to space is not not the impetus behind moving to space. No, it is the impetus behind moving to space. the The idea of bringing the redheaded stepchild of Araco to space makes me wonder how long it will be before this story gets into someone else's hands who decides I did not like Ten of Swords. I do not need Isca the MP. I I do not need to perpetuate the idea of a 500% increase in other world mutes. And in that regard, I'm a little concerned about the longevity of this decision, but was it spectacular? Without a doubt. I don't think... We've seen mutants in space for a very long time, even as early as Claremontian days. I think back to Magneto's space fort. I think back to Scott and Logan taking on, I believe, Project 15 in space. I think of... Hold on, hold on. I would just like to point out that as, as much as I agree with you, technically, fighting Weapon 15 at the world was in a time dilation non-space field that exists outside of perceptible existence. So I just need to point out, it might have been in space, but it might have yeah. also been underneath your foot. No one's really sure. True. Well, time and space is an illusion anyway, especially when you have a, um, what are those things called? Infinity Stone. I got there on my own. Wibbly wobbly, I'm real whiny. Wibbly wobbly, timey whiny, Jeremy Jeremy. Time is fleeting and all that. Uh, Time is fleeting, unless you're tempo. Mm -hmm. But regardless of all of that, I really think that this was probably the best solution in handling how the Iraqi conduct themselves. They are a nation that is just full of war. They're constantly fighting with one another to for supremacy. They're constantly fighting other nations for domination. And it was starting to affect the planet that they were currently residing on Earth. And the mutants were like, well, we, we kind of have something we're trying to set up here where we're trying to, in theory, live coexist. I'm not even going to say live peacefully. They're just trying to coexist at this point. So... I think the best step if that they were honoring their commitments from the Ten of Swords event of swapping two mutants to live um, in the other one's realms, I think it's really important that they found a space for them where they could, you know, war and fight and do all that fun stuff without harming the humans that the mutants are trying to not so secretly prove that they're better than. I wasn't actually expecting it to be Mars itself. I was actually expecting them to form a new planet in and of its entirety. But 
it does make sense they chose Mars because at Mars is a very current hot topic, even in today's cultural vernacular of we're gearing towards the years of pe- people being able to visit Mars. And you're like, well, technically, nobody's ever really set foot on there. So we technically could have first claims mm-hmm. and they kind of just did. <laughs> So here's my question now, actually. Wait a minute. Why are the humans giving mutants any kind of hard time about this? I just realized for the first time, this is the mutant saying, guys, keep Earth. We're good. Yeah. Really? Wow. Jonah, you put it so simply. You were just like, yeah, they're they're giving the humans Earth back. Huh. I'm like, oh. Well, and yeah. I think a lot of the humans are just experiencing jealousy. And I think it's that idea of, oh, you know, mutants kind of can do what they want. They kind of can just, they just proved that they turned a planet that wasn't expected to be hospitable for humans or other organic life forms found on Earth for years upon years. And they did it in a couple of hours. And it's, I think it's that idea of, it's kind of like seeing your ex and saying, oh, they really don't need me. Or we could do that in the positive way of you showing your ex. I don't really need you. That's even better. <laughs> uh, for for me, like the the why the humans are reacting, it it confirms everything that has been at the base of mutant human relations. Right? It confirms that, like like Jonah said, it confirms that mutants are this above human thing, and they're going to supplant humans in evolution just because of their abilities themselves. They fucking terraform Mars, so this confirms all of their fears. They were able to alter a planet on a scale that humans can't even even imagine that we spent hundreds of years not trying to do but slowly turning our planet into some other kind of trash but intentionally doing something like that is something that we haven't been able to do i if i have one nitpicky gripe we used hope twice and that doesn't fly for me um and i know it's it's in an, in an exceptional issue in the middle of an exceptional event like you really have to find the one thing to harp on if you're me and it's just the <laughs> fact that hope had to aid vulcan and also had to aid proteus and sure there are not many mutants with abilities like hopes in in terms of the the spark plug ability to you know synchronize with all others and realistically there's a part of me that wants to say well how many mutants are we're gonna bring to space but like you gave her two jobs to do she's part of the five did we just like halt resurrection protocols for 72 hours well i mean i also think i I hear what you're saying and i think that's part of what this experiment might yield i think if we get to space and we have mutant culture there can be like spark plug class because that's like one thing i've always kind of thought was silly about a lot of eras of xavier's and i know i know nathan this is like this is me harping on like stevie hunter teaching dance classes not making a whole lot of sense as much as i love it but like you know when it's flying class taught by angel or it's psychic don't blow your face off class taught by chamber you know when it's those sort of classes i think it's really funny when it's emma frost teaching ethics i think it is delectable But when it's like, and I know they have to learn math, but like like, when it's just like they're in organic chemistry, I'm like, but why? (laughs) I feel like you're really on to something there. Hope is being super overextended and hopefully it leads to like hope teaching spark plug class. They call themselves the sparkies and you know, they, 
they run around doing cool things like accidentally syncing with everyone's powers and making them explode. I don't know. It's a cool thing. But I'm with you. I'm with you. Now, now all I'm thinking is if the island of Krakoa functioned like a community college, like who would teach what electives? I oh, think, God. I think Gene would be one of the guidance counselors. Oh, my God. It would God, be yeah. like Gene yeah. and Storm. The two of them would be the guidance counselors. And everybody would constantly come to them with their problems. And the sad part would be for Storm when Gene is usually dead and her workload is twice as much. Oh, oh no. Oh, and you know, you know, like, Bobby Drake teaches accounting, right? Like, I want to say, like, Allison Blair, she teaches, like, pre-law courses. So, oh, my God. Yeah. And Bobby's always trying to teach elemental courses, but it's one of those Snape never gets defense against the dark arts things. <laughs> oh. oh, gravy. Um, so our Omegas that we know and love helped do this, but we also brought in three Arakian Omegas to help make this done, to help birth this new planet. So we're introduced to Lakuta, the Knower, Sobinar of the Death, and Zylo, the first I would say Zillow. Yeah. Zillow. Zillow. The f- uh, Zillow, like the... Uh, oh, my Zillow? God. No, you're right. It would have to be Zylo. I'm so sorry. You're so right, because it's a single L, and the phonetic would fall between the first vowel and the consonant phonetic. So, yeah, it would have to be Zylo. You're completely right. No, I wish it was Zillow, because that would be even more funny that, like, you know, he's, like, creating the Earth, you know, in the website. But anyway. Exactly. But, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, so, Zylo is the first defender of this broken land. So obviously this is for the sake of convenience, but do you did that part of the story gel with you that our omegas were is easily able to combine with these three previously unknown omegas to help create everything? And these Arakians really did a lot of the work by creating the sea, by transforming the land. Like wh- what's your guys' thoughts about that? I would love to note that. Uh, we look at uh, the Earth Omega-level mutants, and you're like, okay, Gene's an Omega-level telepath, and Magneto's a master of magnetism, and Hope has uh, is uh, power manipulation. And then you look at the Iraqi ones, and it's literally knows the location of everything, right. has an entire oceanic biosystem living within <laughs> himself, and I assume it's for Zylo. They didn't really explain what his mutant ability is, but I believe I, it's like the biological uh the uh like amoebic version of the aquatic one yeah where i assume he has like multiple organic uh bacterial life forms that grow into like trees and like in like the plant-based ecosystem within them and you're like oh <laughs> you're just like the iraqi are way cooler in every single way and you're like the 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 disparity in what the Iraqi define as Omega level versus the Krakoan uh, Omega level was so interesting. But I really appreciated the uh, knowledge of Iska of recognizing, okay, we were kind of thrust into this situation, and while we might not care for the rest of the inhabitants of this planet, we don't really want to be making the waves in the way that this is going to cause trouble for us. And I think Iska kind of realized that and was like, okay, who who do they need and who can be best utilized? And these three characters who, God bless them, I love them in every which shape or form. They're beautiful, amazing, chef's kisses, mwah. Um, I was really, it was, it, it actually took an approach that I didn't actually think of because I was like, okay, you guys make the planet, but then you're like, oh, but you actually need things to be able to sustain the planet. You do need, you know, multiple types of ecosystems. And it's like, well, how would they get that? And then you just have two mutants basically do that for you. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. Nice. 
Now, let me tell you what you really need to know and why you don't need to hear anybody else's side of it. So, I completely agree with everything Jonah said, and I I think we're all going to pretty much be on the same page with this. But at the beginning of Hoxpox, one of the first ever things Apocalypse says about the Iraqi people is specifically their powers are so great and such incredible ideas you cannot even begin to in your most powerful mutant mind fathom it. He literally says the things the Iraqi can do is unlike anything ever in the history of the world. So I'm starting to piece together a very specific vision of things where perhaps Moira knew a lot of this from Apocalypse, mm-hmm. maybe through the download stick that she receives at the end of Hoxpox, maybe through... Well, she was banging him. She was banging him in one life. They, they would have... Well, let's, let's be very clear. She had Apocalypse wrapped around her... Apocalypse eats Moira's pussy. There you go, Oh, God, DC. yeah. He's a there real hero. Apocalypse is a real hero. jaw and all ten lives right there. Just multiple lives. Consecutive multiple lives. So... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god and he just wears a jaunty little hat while he does it so um in that big grin on his face right oh, it's permanently there so like the joker so um <laughs> oh poor batman so i guess the truth is joker eats pussy so um you know moira probably knew all of this going into this and i just need like I, I'm not trying to be stupid but in that way that dupe is like my favorite mutant of all time <laughs> Zillow is like my favorite mutant of all time. <laughs> He's so amazing. I'm so obsessed with this character now. I want this character. Solo book. Replace Wolverine. Fuck that guy. Fuck <laughs> that yellow idiot. Put this guy in. I love this guy. And I just think he's amazing. And I have no use for anything else. I think through Krakoa and Arako, and because the Arakans all kind of view being a mutant as being magic, you know, they're all kind of one with the land, and like, they've got that vibe going for them, and now the mutants are all synced up to Krakoa, so for my money, it's just sort of a further exploration of everybody synced through Krakoa. I am very much about this sort of Lego, just snap them together, lift them up kind of mentality as it relates to mutant homogenization. Something uh, I want to note that's really fascinating about the three uh, Arakos that we met, uh, when the Great Ring of Arako was introduced to us, they gave us the list similar to how they gave the list of the Quiet Council and their seats and who they met. Uh, all three of these um, uh, Arako mutants are from the day, uh, Deus, that's what I want to call it, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, looking at the page of when it's introduced, the day um, seats are filled by Lakuta and Saborner, and the uh, eighth seat is um, X'd out. It's blacked out, so I assume at that time it wasn't known, mm. at least for mutant information. But it only makes sense in my mind that that would be Xylo. Uh, it doesn't make sense that Xylo would be part of the night um, circle, because the night circle we learned is more about... It's similar to what the Hellfire um, trading company does, is they kind of do the CD underwork, oh, but known to the public. And Zylo's power set to me doesn't really seem to lend himself to be doing something like that. But it's really fascinating that we met other members of the Great Ring, and the only ones we haven't mess- met yet are the Dusk um, seats and the Night seats. So I'm really interested to see how they're going to play at some point within the larger narrative of the Arako Krakoan dealings. 
Perfect. Um, so Mpreg, Mpreg, Mpreg. Let's talk about Mpreg. I was going to say, so now we have birthed the planet. Now we are birthing the government. So I know one of the amazing pieces that Nico wanted to gush about was the birth of the Sword Station 2, the security, orbital security platform for the planet. So I got to start with Nico. Nico, what were your thoughts on this? Everybody knows that my favorite classic character is Jean, one of my all-time favorite characters, especially of the modern age, is Quentin, and that Jamie is hardcore, long and away, one of my favorite bad guys from the entirety of X-Lore. This is bringing together three characters that I have long desired not just to write, but I cherish their appearances and bringing them together in such an abstract way. Right, Jean is known for being able to, at her most powerful, do some matter displacement kind of stuff, you know, like mm -hmm. create things. And Quentin is just too powerful for his own good. And then here's Jamie, and it's that he's shown with swollen belly. It's like actual Mpreg. And silly as it sounds, I really appreciate how far Dugan went. I don't even have more to say about it other than I perhaps feel bad for Ewing that Ewing didn't get to write this in S.W.O.R.D., but I hope that perhaps we see a further exploration of it in the S.W.O.R.D. issue. Oh boy, was uh, I not expecting any form of Mpreg in my good Christian X-Men books. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was... Whew, it was something very fascinating and uh, something that I, I love to say and I love to pride myself on within our friend group is commit to the bit. If you're going to do something, just commit to it. Don't half-ass it because it, or don't apologize for it because if you don't believe in it, we're not going to believe in it. Just commit to it. And Jerry Dugan, Mr. Dugan himself, really fucking committed to the Mpreg scene. And I really have to congratulate to him for writing it, to the art team for giving a very, dare I say, beautiful miracle of life interpretation of Jamie birthing this uh, sword. And I was like, huh, you know what? I wasn't expecting Jamie to do this and contribute in this way, but he really needed to. I think he really needed to give birth to something, and I think he needed to enjoy the miracle of life to uh, <laughs> better understand a lot about himself. Because Jamie doesn't understand nuance. No. No, and that's for a very good reason, because Jamie's like the Amelia Bedelia of the X-Men-verse. Oh my god, sure is. Uh, also, you know, I think it was important to have Joshua do something. Uh, Elixir's a character I'm not really familiar with. I haven't really read his era or know much about it. But uh, when this coalition of Omega Mutants came together, I was like, well, what exactly is Elixir gonna do? And then I was like, oh, okay, they kind of just needed him to heal Jamie. <laughs> so... We have birthed Sword Station 2, and we create Port Prometheus, which is the transportation and trade hub of the solar system now. Oh my god, that's crazy. And we've also created... And capital. Right? And we've also created the Diplomatic Ring, which inside the Diplomatic Ring is the only place that you will be able to expect diplomacy and not war so they send out Araco is the first mutant world the tip no landing except at port prometheus Araco is the capital of the solar system hold fast for a message for the region of soul so this brings up so many questions to me but my biggest question is who do you guys think the regent of soul is who is the commander of the whole solar system i hope it's a big oz situation like i mean i want like do not look at the scientist lady behind the curtain 
Like, I'm really hoping <laughs> for Wizard Moira. And I just, you know, I'm Ooh. worried that one day that that lab coat is going to find its way back to Kansas. And all our asses is, are going to be in some emerald trouble. But I really think we are going to see a, a fiction head as the regent for at least a, a period of time. I, I wouldn't be surprised, and I'm, I'm just throwing, you know, throwing things at a wall and seeing what sticks here. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, considering this is technically planet Araco, if it were an Araki mutant. And I feel like no Araki mutant holds greater counsel with the council than Iska. Oh my god, absolutely. I think there's a little clue in there with a hold fast for a message from the region of Seoul. I'm, I'm thinking it's Aurora. Um, that's obviously the popular opinion online. Aurora is seen walking into the like head of state kind of thing by herself. Um, and what more fitting leader of the solar system than the queen herself, Storm? If I had to throw something and like you're cooking spaghetti, as Maddie said, and you're just throwing it against a wall to see what sticks and if it's ready to be cooked, uh, eaten, I should say, not cooked, because it's already cooked if it's sticking against the wall. I would, I think that it's this mysterious night uh, court within the Great Ring of Araco. And we know that they're meant to be doing and pulling strings behind the scenes out of the eye. And I would imagine that they're also going to have to play a much larger role in this entire planet, as well as the solar system, in maintaining whatever they do. And I would think that it might be one of them. All right. So we we've speculated a little as to who the region of soul is going to be now we saw a little bit of a sort of in the letter from the x desk where dolores sends her notes out what do we think the human reaction is going to be to this i know we saw some of the initial reactions when the human guests were leaving the gala looking pretty upset captain america huffed off what do we think how do we think the humans are going to respond I kind of have a hand wave, not to be aggressively hand wavy, but like, I mean, it comes down to just two sentences for me. We've already done Broxton. This is not going to make a big difference. Mm. It's just some mutants in space. Like, I just don't think it's that big a deal. There are cities on the moon. It's just not that big a deal in the Marvel Universe anymore. Shouldn't be. Oh, that was it. That's my whole thing. That's it. It's just not that big a deal. (laughs) Like, the humans should be fine. The humans also should be fine because they just have to choose another planet if they want to colonize something. Yeah. I really, it's it's really not that big of, it's a huge feat to do what they did in the amount of time that they did. But I really think that this was more so that the Iraqi can't cause any more trouble on Earth to make any more trouble for mutants. Yeah, I, that's that is my thought. I would think the humans would be thrilled to get rid of these extra millions of mutants in this increased landmass that just appeared suddenly out of nowhere. I know it's terrifying to have people create an atmosphere on Mars, but you know it's Marvel. You know this stuff happens all the time. You know, and we've all been on Soren in Disney World. It's not that amazing to simulate flying. Right. And you know, like the Marvel Earth gets invaded like 20 times a, 20 times a year, it looks like. So like, well, you know, maybe the humans would be jealous. They can't go to Mars and escape all the invasions. But you know, who knows on that? Um, so I know any any subjects, I know we only got a few minutes, any subjects anybody wants to real quick throw in anything anybody wants to add anything wants to talk about? My only uh, little cherry note I want to just top off with is I think the thing that I'm most excited about when it comes to the age of the planet-sized X-Men is that we're going to see a different kind of story for a little while. 
we're really done playing at this theory metaphor for minorities game. So let's let's embrace this change. Embrace change. She loves you. She does. That it, that was a reference to a secret invasion advertisement. Oh yeah. No, no, no. The Queen. Yeah. Arachne. Yeah. Yeah. She loves you. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome back. Nico here again. And in this next segment, Josh, Blake, Arturo, and Drew talk about what might be one of the most unsettling issues of New Mutants since Claremont and Sienkiewicz brought everybody to their knees with Legion. The pages of New Mutants have become fraught with dangers for the young kids, and the X-Pack is here to cover it. Enjoy this next segment, and we'll see you on the other side. Welcome back to X's for Podcast. This week, we're talking about New Mutants 19, written by Vita Ayala with art by Alex Linz, Colors by Matt Miller and letters by VCs Travis Lana. The New Mutants take a night off to dance and look pretty at the Hellfire Gala, leaving their young wards to be irresponsibly fridged. It's chapter eight of the Hellfire Gala, and with me to discuss are. Hey guys, uh, I'm Arturo. You can find me at Mr. Toybox on Twitter and Instagram, where I do some amateur photography and I do not fridge any of my action figures. <laughs> I'm uh, your friendly neighborhood nerd, Blake. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Blake's Buzz. You can go to blakesbuzz.com and check out indie reviews for comics where we don't fridge any any comic books and throw them under the bus. That was terrible. Wow. Uh, my writing's better than that, I swear to God. <laughs> I didn't come up with a cool intro, but I'm Drew. You can find me online on Twitter and Instagram at Drewsifer3. That's at T-R-E-W-S-I-B-H-E-R-3. And we hope you survive the experience. Drew is As calling always. in from the inside of a fridge. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to... If, if Drew has a uh, Honey Badger action figure, we're going to make Drew take pictures of himself putting it in the fridge so we can make a meme where uh, we just write the word Vita over his face. As Boy. always, though... <laughs> I'm Josh Wheel. You can find me online at Asleep at the Wheel, W E I L, and at Asleep at the Wheel.com. And for the next two years, as the progressive Democrat running for U.S. Senate in the state of Florida, you can find me across social media at Wheel, the number four U.S. Senate, and at JoshWheel.org. New Mutants 19. Um, you know, we had a conversation in the green room, and Arturo was mentioning that he had just caught up and read The Crucible Issue, and it was so good. And my first comment was, yeah, it's a hell of a lot better than this one we're about to talk about the kids I, are not all right guys, the kids are not all right the kids are not all right the kids are going through it something is killing the children something <laughs> is killing the children Truly. and it better fucking not be farouk ahmed Listen, that's all i, I have i, I just want to say thank you to the x office and the Krakoan era and to josh for even instilling any flicker of hope in my heart that maybe shadow king was going to be redeemed. Uh, I am sad to see that snuffed out so violently. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, the fact that you guys, that, that you, Josh, specifically, even got that in my head, like, because my first instinct was, why are you going to invite Shadow King to the to Krokoa? Like, there's a short list of mutants that, in my book, are irredeemable and should not be on Krokoa. But, you know, one by one, we're going through that list, and they are on Krokoa. And Malice, turns out, is not a bad person. And the Shadow King, I thought, might be, you know, <laughs> worth redeeming. Celine apparently has some some virtues worth, uh, worth keeping her around for. But it looks like Shadow King is not part of that list. It looks like Shadow King should have stayed off the 
So let's do just a quick rundown of what happens in this episode, because I have a feeling like we're going to be less than linear here, because the biggest point that we need to discuss and talk about is at the end of the book. Um, But we have a new mutants issue, like many of our Hellfire Gala issues, it's really continuing the stories of new mutants, as opposed to continuing the stories of the gala. You know, those four uh, red issues are your core of the Hellfire Gala, Marauders 21, Ekman 21, Planet Sized Ekman number one, and Sword number six. Uh, All of your other Hellfire Gala issues are really just bringing the characters there, having them interact, they're enriching the Hellfire Gala reading experience, but they're continuing the stories from those books. So we are continuing our story from this book where we have Shan, free of her brother, although still no mention of what happened to her brother. Um, We have uh, Danny and Rain, Danny finally coming back and apologizing for bailing on Rain a few issues ago. We have um, Ilyana and Shan dealing with uh, a douchey date rapist guy. Um, we finally get something with Warlock and Doug and Bay. With we, we get an awkward story with all of our typically queer-coded female characters trying to undress James, um, which I was not really here for. Um, and then we get the big at the end. So one of the since the very first issue of the Wild Hunt, since Vita's first issue on New Mutants, which was focused, the primary character in that was Farouk Ahmed, the aforementioned Shadow. King. Learning about the Shadow King being something that possessed him, learning that there was more to him than that, that it was almost like a a symbiote Venom relationship. You know, we were seeing a different side of him, an opportunity for a new life or a new place on Krakoa. We've seen um, the kids and many of these characters kind of interacting with him, and there's been questions about whether, you know, he's doing right by these young kids who are turning to him, or is he a spider luring them into his web? Um, Gabby has been one of the most concern. And at the end of this issue, we get, you know, kind of a a side by side track, we get uh, a part of the story with Farouk talking about, you know, how much this new world means to him and how dedicated he is to protecting and, you know, helping, you know, these younger mutants um, have someone and to help them develop and grow and then and that he won't let Gabby get in the way of that. And then we get a final panel with Gabby Fridge. Gabby is I mean, she's not Literally, like, this isn't Green Lantern's... 60, no, 53 by Ron Mars, like the original fridge, like they didn't find her in a fridge like Kyle found <laughs> Alex. Um, but she's fridge, you know, uh, she was killed off panel unceremoniously to further the story of lesser characters. Um, and, you know, Vita might have good intention here. Vita might want to, you know, get into the debate of, you know, well, you know, they, they didn't want to resurrect clones because nobody liked Maddie, but now they like Gabby. So, you know, will it be more? more about resurrecting clones or resurrecting people you like. Vita might have some good intentions here. For but sure. The fact, of, For... the fact of the matter is Vita fridged a character. Okay, wait. I, I'm going to throw a flag on the field here. Yes, Vita definitely fridged a character, but two things. And I mentioned this in the green room. One, the reveal was great. I, I get it. Nobody was expecting that throughout the party. You're like, where's Gabby? Where's Gabby? It's kind of like the running thread. You weren't expecting that. So I get that, and I get that that's, you know, part of the uh, the charm of, of fridging a character is just for that dramatic effect. And it sucks, but it worked. It was an effective use of it. And two, I cannot imagine Vita doing this without some clear intention to kind of do a whole thing about fridging. Like, I just, I don't see Vita, Vita doing this unaware of the implications of it. 
So yeah, I agree. It was frustrating. I agree. It sucked. I agree. It left like a, a, a shitty feeling in your stomach, but it's a hell of a hook for a story. You can't wait to see what happens in the next issue. And you know, that's uh that might be a little trite, but I, I, I give them props for, for at least doing it well. If there's a, a good way of doing it, you know, hang tight. Gabby will be back. She's not fridged, but she got fridged. Yeah. Like, I mean, we've been talking about the clones are going to have to be addressed. Like I know we've talked about it in several episodes I've recorded with you guys and and I think, like, I mean, Gabby, if something happens to Gabby, then the, the clones have to be addressed. The fans will demand it. You can't ignore it. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, it's it's it sucks because it's this it's it may lead to something I wanted because I I've been wanting this like X Men clone saga in a sense. But yeah, it was it was it was really rough. But I kind of I, I don't know. Like, I was really ready for this. Like, especially in the issue when they started saying "Where's Gabby?" and I was like, "She's dead." I was like, "She's like I just knew it. I kind of knew the you know her her like interactions with Farouk and even her friends turning against her and it's like her life just her." normal life is like really affecting us emotionally reading this because we all love her and want more from her and then yeah as soon as they were like where is she i was like oh fuck she did it she killed her and the only thing i think is i don't necessarily think it's farouk because don't forgive me if i'm wrong but don't we know that yes farouk was possessed by the shadow king and the shadow king is also a mutant and is on the island in someone and we don't know it yet is that right like so i mean like the shadow the shadow king could have killed her but not farouk and this is like an entire like a big mislead and if this does lead lead to the clones being able to be you know to brought back be brought back to life is it fridging if within a handful of issues you could bring them back like instantaneously like all the x-men get brought back i mean everybody gets brought back in comics like yeah nobody doesn't not get brought back anymore like we're we're kind of you know yes we know that and in the krakoan era you know in the krakoan era it feels like kenny from south park yeah but here's i have two big points here one is and and yes there's a very good chance that this could be misdirection on Farouk because Vita has been building up a redemption for Farouk's story. Um, and, you know, they could be, you know, teasing us or making it look like Farouk to reveal otherwise. But, right, what we got in New Mutants 19 is potentially saying that, yes, even if you like you know, uh, our our explicitly Muslim character that, you know, we were trying to redeem, you still can't trust them because, you know, they might kill someone you love. And we got Gabby fridged. You can have a story about should we resurrect Gabby without fridging her, right? Gabby could have gone down like a fucking G like Gorgon did. Okay, Gabby could have died, you know, valiantly saving her friends from some threat that turned out to not be Farouk on panel. And we could have had this tearful loss. And then, you know, the final panel, people wondering, you know, her friends wondering if they would resurrect her because of the clone protocols. You could have done this a number of different ways that did not involve bridging Gabby. But that's why I say hang tight, because who knows? The next issue, the next like first half of the next issue could all be a flashback to exactly what what happened during the party like it might it be a gabby centric issue like who knows who knows it probably that's all i'm saying is we gotta you gotta it's good to you know have visceral and, and immediate reactions but you gotta like judge the work you know you gotta take a step back and see it in its entirety you just gotta see what the next beat is yeah i also think your point about her dying in like a uh, like a gallant hero kind of way would have made it like a bit more like it would have added it like another level to the um the intensity of the situation because it would be like 
oh, she like saved people. Now are they going to bring her back? And if they don't, isn't that kind of even more of a dick move after she just saved people? So like, I feel like that would have leveled it up to, you know, like instead of, you know, just killing her off panel. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think that's fair. I think if she was like on a mission or something, mm-hmm. yeah, right? Like that, that's a little more cut and dry, right? Like, ex- really like the, the one that, that uh, Wolverine just went through. I, I like, I see thinking it through that lens. Like I see like, cause I'm, I'm like Arturo. I'm expecting like a flashback where we get this big scene, but I'm, I'm now seeing that like how it, it was. Yeah. Like I see the difference between that now seeing that first and then just the off panel reveal that she's gone and in a way it's like cheap, cheaper storytelling. Yeah. I, I agree now. I just, I, I gotta say like, I'm really happy that I, that I feel like I, I really care about Gabby. She's not a character that like I, I'm super familiar with. Like I've really enjoyed seeing what, what Vita's doing with her right now. And it's been like a nice progress. It's like it's been building up. So even not having like feeling super attached to the character, you know, before House and Powers, let's say, uh, just through Vita's writing, I've really grown to care for her. And in this story, I, I'm invested. I'm like, oh shit, what's happening? And you know, I'm very invested in clones. I mean, if you follow me on Twitter, it's what I'm <laughs> complaining about three times a, a week at minimum. Like clones is a huge thing. Like that, the clone saga, the Clone Wars of Krakoa, like I cannot wait up because yeah, we can't, we can't resurrect, you know, Gabby without talking about Maddie, you know, uh, without talking about Joseph. I know I'm the only person on earth talking about Joseph at this point, but it's worth considering, you know, there, there's clones and Evan, Evan's still, you know, irretrievable. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not getting my hopes up. I think at the very least it touches back on Maddie. Uh, we see, you know, not in this issue, but we know that Havoc, while Gabby was getting fridge, Havoc is making rounds at party, talking to everybody that'll listen about Maddie. So yep. there's stuff cooking. It's not happening in one place. It's, you know, it, but but I think it is bringing it to a head here. And think of the inevitable, or not, I guess, inevitable, but very possible team up of Havoc and Laura, like uh, the new Wolverine and, and Havoc, like together going on this, because you, you know, like he's the number one campaigner for clones now, but you know who's going to be number two or number one and a half even, because I mean, that's her sister is Laura. So, I mean, these two are going to have the same cause to like work together and do something about it. And then knowing that, you know, in just a few months, we have inferno like the shit's got to burn down right like these are the sparks um that are gonna you know start the wildfire that is inferno possibly i'm thinking again i'm trying to be hopeful because i didn't want what happened in this issue to happen either so i'm trying to think positively but that's i don't know it's, it's shit yeah, has to start I, I, I am down. looking forward to inferno um i do expect inferno to be maddie centric uh which now would make it feel like it needs to be gabby centric as well it's important to say just because i don't like or, or um, I'm unhappy or I have, you know, other feelings about a comic doesn't mean it's a bad comic, right? I can think back uh, as a big Green Arrow fan, right? I remember in Judd Winnick's run, right? He did some things that were infuriating, but not bad, right? So um, back in the, you know, the, the seminal Mike Grell run, you know, there was a period where Ollie cheated on Dinah and that all spiraled out of control. And that led to kind of the Ollie spiral out that led to him dying. And we got Connor Hawk in the 90s. And, you know, when he came back to life, and was resurrected, you know, he wasn't going to make those same mistakes. He was going to be a better man. He was going to prove to everyone and convince he was better. And, you know, then eventually he made the same mistakes and did it again. And it was infuriating, but it was also totally believable because, like, you didn't want to see him make the same mistakes, but you just fucking knew the dude was going to make the same mistakes. Like, 
and he did and you wanted better for the character and you know for me you can still be like no why did you do that no i hit but like get it and you know have it make sense and and understand and have it be true to the characters and you know this was i mean it's hard to say what's true to the characters because you know we've got this farouk who's going through these different things you know and the gabby scene happened off screen but you know to me this was a different type of infuriate like this was like no i i i want i i want better like all right x line like x office i am i am devoting far too much fucking time and money to to your comics <laughs> right because you put out like 13 to 15 a month now and i buy every goddamn one and we go online and we talk about them and you know i try to give you the benefit of the doubt at every corner and when you do bad comics it feels like you know you do bad comics because you're not worried about the response because you know that those of us who are in are just fucking in and we're gonna buy it whether it's bad or not we're gonna come back next month especially and at this point <laughs> yes we're gonna come back next month for number 20 we're not just gonna throw the book down and walk away although this was an issue that kind of made me want to throw the book down and walk away um if if i wasn't so heavily invested in the line-wide storytelling yeah another thing that i was thinking about um is so as i'm reading like the original inferno it's kind of funny that it is in like two parts like you get the um the x-factor x-men side of it and then you get the new mutants exterminators part of it so potentially what if the second inferno does something like that where part of it is dealing with like the mystique destiny kind of issues and then the other half of it is kind of like the the clones and and that kind of saga eventually probably merging together right because and then them working together to burn everything down yeah i i agree with you on that i think uh mystique is going to play a huge role in it i think the two those two potential storylines could intersect in that mystique would find a way to resurrect a group of the you know the 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 list of people that you can't resurrect Mm -hmm. you know which includes precogs and and clones so i think there will be comic cause there uh i don't know if the stories i i hope we don't go into any kind of limbo shenanigans like that was my it's the one thing about the first Mm -hmm. inferno that i just it loses me so i'm kind of hoping we keep this yeah i don't mean i don't i don't mean that that kind of sense i mean more of structure yeah. My my feeling as we look ahead and analyze these stories is that Inferno is going to be about resurrection protocols. Um, yeah. And, you know, we can see through lines in every title, right? You have Mystique and Destiny in X-Men, right? Destiny, why won't Destiny be resurrected? We now have in Way of X, why isn't Blindspot resurrected? We have in New Mutants, right? Why they can't resurrect Tyr and now Gabby. We have in um, Hellions, you know, the not resurrecting Maddie. And, and we're seeing this over and over and then we have an Excalibur they did resurrect Malice and so if you're some of these other people like if you're Alex or Laura or Mystique and you're like y'all motherfuckers resurrected Malice and you won't give me my wife sister girlfriend like what the like there's a lot of tension and things building up in this across practically every book Um, so I, I definitely feel and can see you know where we're getting to Inferno with and we have no idea what the trial of you know i would guess we'll find out in sword you know what happens sword and x factor next week you know what co- leads to the trial of magneto what crime magneto is on trial for we're all waiting um, for magneto to kill eminem <laughs> at the gala i mean i it's look we came pretty close to having uh the trial of iliana um in this issue when she was oh my ready. god with barry the artist 
She was ready to drop Barry the artist through a hole and cut him in half like Dark Beast. Yeah, I love Ileana so much. And I love her outfit. I love Karma's outfit. Let's let's take a, a break from all the heavy talk of, of resurrections and clone rights. And uh, just just take a beat to appreciate the, the Hellfire Gala fashions. Um, I think Shan Karma looks incredible. Shan looks incredible. Uh, I appreciate that Vita took the opportunity to and, and used Barry the douchebag to relay the message that was like very shitty and ableistic, uh, you know, ableism about, about Shan's leg. I think that story or like it kind of talking about that on panel might be worth it. I know some fans felt some kind of way, like why wouldn't she just fix herself? And, you know, and I totally see and appreciate that, but uh, yes, hearing, that's a hearing, huge deal. Right. But like Vita addressed it on Twitter and, and talked about like how that's, that was her decision. And like, it's not just something, a part of her that she just wants to erase away. And that really like sold me on it. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. Do your thing. Like if that's, you know, if that's how you feel like that's a part of you now, then like that's a part of you, you know, who are we to say that's not. Um, but I think it is worth addressing. And I, I think it's kind of cool that she used or they used Barry the artist to kind of relay that shitty message and kind of address it like in an offhand way rather than making a whole you know page about it I mean I I have some I have some issues as well with you know the I don't know whether it's the sexuality or still kind of dancing around you know the relationships with Danny you know what the status of Danny Ileana Shan are especially with like the awkward you know them all helping undress like Jimmy later on like it was it was a weird well, I didn't thing. take like, that sexually that, that no, to but me like, was no no it like, wasn't a sexual yeah. scene but like I mean we still have all of these okay it could be funny with like you know Ilyana like reaching out like you know does anyone does anyone know how to like undress a guy like and then like there's like an obvious point here of like oh well we have Ilyana Shan and Danny and none of them know how to undress a guy and but then <laughs> like yeah, and but then it's like Danny's like, no, I got it. Let me show y'all how it's. And I'm like, wait, what? No, no, you been okay? Whatever. I will give Vita props. I don't know. It just like I keep feeling like the setups and everything are so close to like, okay, we're going to get like a nice, explicitly, you know, queer or non-hetero moment here. You know, like we're gonna get, and it's like, oh, okay, setup and nothing. Right, and which is a, and, a and, yeah, monthly a- feature of Vita's New Mutants is queer setup and no follow through yeah i i get that and it is i think that's really frustrating and like i said you know in the green room i literally just read the issue before the crucible issue and i had already seen people talking about it and the queer baiting this and that and you know you come up reading claremont and going through all all these different eras of, of x-men subtext is like part and parcel of the whole experience right so i i'm okay with with it with it but yeah man missed opportunity there when when sean got resurrected that was the moment right right there on that page that should have been the official okay if we're not going to make everybody queer if there's all this subtext and queer baiting and whatever all around the line with Ileana with Kate uh with Rachel with Betsy like literally the list goes on and on Mm -hmm. let's at least have one girl couple one you know lesbian couple official like take these two over the finish line already because it's been, you know, 40 years of subtext with that. Like, yes, just honestly, do it. If- and the resurrection moment is like the perfect opportunity because like you're born on you. You want to like shed your bullshit. Like that would have been a good moment for them both to be like, yeah, I love you. Like, ugh. Yeah, to me, if there was subtext in the Claremont run, 
then they should probably be like but, LGBT. But also, I mean, we're talking about like comics from the late seventies, early eighties, and we're like, right. well, you know, hinting about things in subtext is part of the history. Right. Well, you know what else was part of the history of comics in the seventies? Fucking racism. But we don't do that anymore either. We don't be like, hey, it's twenty twenty one, but we're still gonna do racist shit and color Asian characters bright yellow. Like, no, we're better than that today. Um, one issue that I, another issue that I have Good point. is um, what happened to Jeanne's uh, French accent? Like, because um, I was also just reading the Wolverine, and they like literally write her out as having like a French accent. Who? Um, Jeanne. Oh, Jean? oh, Jean? Um, Aurora. Huh? Is it Jean or Jean or Aurora? You mean what? Ken's girlfriend? She, no, um, no, he's talking about Sean. Oh, that, Shan. Yeah, Shan. 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 Yeah. Shan. I, Shan. I've never yeah. said her name out loud ever. <laughs> well, so Sean it's Corey an interesting. Ma. I was listening to there was there was someone was talking about it on a podcast recently, and I don't, I don't even remember which one, but they were kind of going into the history of it about and about how the fact that like that's not a Vietnamese, like it's a made up like Asian looking name, like there is no real yeah. good pronunciation for it because yeah. it's not an actual real <laughs> name. It's just made to look. I know. Vietnam, yeah, I know someone who look a, random who, Asian. I know someone who has a last name. So similar to it but it's it's different and that's why i think why i can't pronounce it is because their their last name is pronounced differently than yeah John. look guys claremont mm-hmm. did the best he could google didn't <laughs> exist he kind of like we got a death this is we this is what this is what madripoor exists because it was easier to mm-hmm. build a whole new place than to really like responsibly write i'm just trying to say person. is i really like it when writers write the accent as like phonetically and yeah. and, and i miss that yeah, we. I don't think we got any phonetic. Shen's uh, always spoken French and infused little bits of French in, similar to the way Colossus, in, you mm. know, has little bits of Russian and Nightcrawler throws little bits of German into his um, speech. That's definitely been a, a, a Claremont uh, holdover that's carried through. And, and yeah, Gambit and Rogue I, throw a little bit of Gambit, whatever yeah. the fuck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even, even with Rogue, though, she never says, like, her eyes are always A-H. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah there's... They, they, the Gambit and Rogue is a little more lazier made up, but we all love it anyway. Like, it's totally Love beautiful. it. Love um, it. Never change. All right. Let's, uh, uh, let's hit on a positive here. So possibly my favorite page of this issue. Um, oh, so I have another a positive I have. Go on. Um, is so we actually we have a different artist on this issue um, we do oh yeah and we I have thought... alex Linz, who i believe was on an earlier issue of this series who um, did a good job yeah and, yes. and i thought that's what i was gonna say is that i thought that the transition from rod rice into like this issue was like pretty good um i don't think that the coloring was really the same because rod rice is like a little bit more of like a watercolory kind of effect yeah but I, I definitely think that it was comparable i think in like a trade situation it, it would flow nice and like you wouldn't really notice a difference it took me a bit to i was gonna say too i think this would actually flow better than having reyes on it when we're looking not in a new mutants trade but if we're looking at a hellfire gala collection that has all of these issues because reyes's art is you know reyes and then maybe noto over on cable are two that are kind of the 
most different from, you know, the the standard house style that for the X line that RB yeah. Silva um, and Pepe Larraz have uh, that really laid down in, in House of X and Powers of Ten. And yeah. so I think Linz and Mila here kind of blends in better with the other Hellfire Gala stuff and would actually make this kind of read nicer in a Hellfire Gala hardcover later on. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, I thought the, the art was, was great. great. I, I agree with you guys. It, it all and and Linz well. did a great job of kind of following up with the other artists on the line of having little cameos of the people of like real life celebrities and people that we know are at the gala, just kind of little faces in the background peeking through. There is no art on my favorite page, though. My favorite page is uh, the data page with the New Mutants Forever group chat, so um, good. which is uh, just from start to finish on this, you know, all of the names. Names, the fact that um, Berto went onto Sam's phone and changed Sam's name to Sam and Ball, um, <laughs> calling it New Mutants Forever, which, you know, for those who don't know, is the name of, you know, one of those short lived. I think it was an explicit mini, but, you yeah. know, the Forever line of comics are where they let old writers just kind of pick up their story in an AU from where they left off, you know, as if the rest of the Marvel Universe didn't happen and other writers didn't take over. Um, I, and Berto has left the chat. I, I love so much he's so great i love that he's not even like on panel but you just through this chat like his personality <laughs> comes across so clearly he's just he's one of my favorites yes him in this the whole way and then my favorite line of the issue which is one that you know we've been tossing around in our group chat for the last week now um roberto what did we say about all caps in the group chat <laughs> Funny there, how much there, that applies to Nico. There have been a couple Nico, what did we say about all caps in the group chat moments since this issue came out? I love I love that magic who we all know cannot spell to save her life has the worst handwriting and now we know is very emoji reliant and I think that just fits so well. <laughs> that's like that's a perfect, perfect character beat. I love that. I also love that Magic voted for Marrow because yes. of course Magic wants, you know, the the female character who's just going to fuck people up. Right. The strongly coded lesbian monster character. Yep. Yep. That's Magic Girl. <laughs> you know, uh, I want to I want to I want to say something about uh about Rain that that struck me in this issue. Rain is some is a character who has been so mistreated by such a long history of writers. I think she is such a fucked up character character um i think that even in this era of like redemption and rebirth or whatever and and under like a different creative hands there's something oddly comforting about the fact that i still don't like rain like she's just a problem like you should see josh's face you guys on the podcast his jaw just dropped she is a pain in the ass and she always has been whoever's writing her whether it's claremont peter david maybe vita like she's just and i get that that's part of her whole shtick i guess um i don't know rain is really fucked up and i just want to say or ask this question do you guys think rain knew that gabby was being bridged because she's the one that led gabby right to farouk so let's get into that oh, oh shit man i, forgot I about hope that for a second. not <laughs> pretty fucked up I, rainy rainy can't Okay. 
Okay. So Rain is, Rain is, you know, very distracted by, wait, wait, she's also very distracted by the potential loss slash we can't resurrect this tear, her son, son, right? So, so she might, you know, Farouk might have Uh, something I was going, I was going way macro here. Rain is like degrade daredevil. Rain is like a character that is defined by their Catholic guilt for one thing. Yes. Right. Um, you know, which is something that, you know, gets written out and played very well like 95% of the time in Daredevil and then conversely gets written out and played very poorly like 95% of the time with Rainey. Um, She is a character that has a lot of potential but has been done wrong by a lot of writers. You know, she's one that we see has been explicitly damaged by the people who were supposed to love her and care for her as a child and she has carried that along with her heavy Catholic guilt because, you know, her adopted step father was uh, uh, an angry racist priest uh, who, you know, beat her and after she, her mutant powers manifested, sent the villagers after her with, you know, torches and pitchforks and, you know, called her a demon spawn and, you know, yelled and screamed about, you know, her whore of a mother and all of this and that. Um, There's, 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 you know, she was damaged. Then, you know, the closest thing she ever had to someone caring for her was Moira and Moira was her mama and some of the best rain moments are all with, you know, her just kind of bonding to and being with Mama Moira. And then Moira went away, which also, man, the fact that Moira is not actually dead, but basically just abandoned Rain. There's so much fucking potential when Moira steps out of the shadows for like drama with that in the future, because that's going to fuck poor Rainy up again. So goddamn hard. Yeah. Um, And rightfully so. This is what I'm saying. The character is so flawed and broken. Rain was there. Rain was in X-Men 1. Oh, wait, Rain was by Moira's side when she died. Rain yeah. was falling apart on that fucking plane in the death of Moira issue that has been retconned to, you know, the Golem. replaced by a Shi'ar Golem. Um, so, yeah, like, Rain Rain has dealt with a lot of stuff. She's made a lot of bad decisions. She's always haunted by her guilt. Like, yeah, you know, she did some bad things and not bad. I mean, just she had some really questionable fucked up decisions she made in the Peter David run, especially regarding Richter and potentially, you know, homophobic reactions to things all of which again tied up with her catholic guilt and you know she's a character that deserves better um i have no idea what vita is building to or doing with her here she deserves um, better but she never gets it and she that's, never gets that's it. kind of like what I, where i'm like okay i mean this is this is this character right like if she was self-assured and fixed and kind of like this perfect protagonist like it'd be like that's not rain who the fuck you're just you know mm-hmm. like it's it's good that she's so broken but yeah she's just not not my favorite something Rain else happened with rain too this issue so all these gala issues everybody's been drinking the champagne right so like there's this amazing champagne going around and literally in every issue there's like a reason to drink champagne and people are expressing their like desire to drink champagne and this is the first time someone's turned it down and it was rain like they offer rain champagne and she's like no and it made like Ooh, it, it really good made catch. that like present and i'm like the first thing i went to is like you know you're like you don't drink when you're pregnant and she's like missing her son and if like i don't know like i just started my mind kind of spiraled with that but i was just like why did she turn down the champagne has been like lingering in my mind wow i think i just kind of paired it with that rain won't even wear a costume because she refuses to celebrate um reverend craig reverend craig is rain's douchey abusive um father figure fuck him i mean i'm looking at the issue and she accepts the glass but she never drinks out of it you're right 
even on the cover, I mean, our featured character on the cover is holding up a glass of bubbly champagne. Yeah. Um, this is a, well, on the A cover, I she should says, say. I know y'all are some very whores, so you might not be looking at heading. the same thing I'm looking at. So, I mean, I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe I was thinking too much into it, but I was just like, I don't know. It was in her, like, cause it, it could just be, she's got an attitude and doesn't want to drink with people. Just like she's standing out in her like fight uniform, like full wolfed out. So I'm, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I thought it was interesting cause it was just the, the first like anti-party vibe, I guess that was like, everybody else is just like, yeah, let's drink and have a good time and watch fireworks. And she's like, she's no. like, no, this is for the humans. <laughs> yeah. She was very hot and cold too. And that whole interaction with Danny, she's like, no, it's cool. I totally understand. And then she's like, well, you should have been there. I'm like, what? And I mean, in her defense, she does say, sorry, I'm tired. You know, like she, she kind of owns like I'm being an erratic mess, but she was See, but to, erratic But to mess. me, she's being passive aggressive. And that's what like frustrated totally. me with this, with this, with that situation. Now that is on brand though for her. Like that is. Even, that's even Catholic 101, baby. I know. <laughs> I'm also Catholic. So like, I get it. <laughs> but I'm just kind of like, like we live in a society. Like she's kind we of like. We live in a society. <laughs> Like, like she's being all like, me, 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 you weren't there for me, you weren't there for me. And Danny was like, yeah, because I was doing other shit. Like, I know we're friends, but sorry, I had other things to do. Like, I can't give 100% of my time to you. And that's what I found mostly frustrating with her kind of side of the story with. Yeah, Rain has had a lot of, Rain is also a selfish character as a result of a lot of her trauma and damage. You know, we see Rain making things throughout comics. She makes things about her because she's a character that you know has lots of need for attention and love and trust that she's never had like that is definitely part of her character going back and there are plenty of issues and storylines where she makes things that aren't about her about her and i think it's one of the reasons why people get annoyed or don't like her as much um, yeah you know i see her as just like you know another one of one of the many damaged trash babies in the x books that you know just need a hug and i want to love them so much um but i get it before we wrap up, let's talk about, uh, we've mentioned the costume some and how good they are. Let's just go around the horn. Favorite gala costume, Jimmy, Danny, Yana, or Shan? Oof. Shan. I, I mean, just because of the the, re- the reveal too. And, and I, I, so I think the, I think her keeping that leg is so badass. Like just, just owning, owning your identity, no, you know, no matter the cost and just the, the reveal and the, and the awesome, like dress jacket thing. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know. The collar that shaped like the way her powers have yes. always been drawn in the comics. I love that. So cool. That was brilliant. so good. That was brilliant. Yeah. And it is very like runway, like just a big puffy, you know? Yeah. It was super cool. Uh, all right. Just for the sake of not giving me the same answer, I'm going to go with Magic because I think she looks badass. I love that her her you know her 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 outfit like breaks the laws of physics. It's just it's great. <laughs> the she horns too outfit. are so cool. The horns yes. are so dope. She has it's... like the demon horns, and it's it's shaped like you know this artistic fashion version of her demon form, um, yeah. which is the other one that I really love. Those I think are the two above and away. See, for what me. Danny. She was yeah. that's my favorite outfit. Really? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a fan of magic, so I think it's too crazy. Um, and too like there's too much going on with it. Um, it needs to be edited a little bit. Um, but yeah, and I, I don't I think um Carmen's I mean what one of my style icons and influences is strife. So that traps I'm <laughs> I'm not really about the edit, I'm about like more and is then, more. But on the other side, I think I think karma's is too simple. Mm. I think it's brilliant. I think it's so simply brilliant. Like 
the the power signature collar is that really put it over the top for me. And I also think it goes with the characters too, because like I would expect Karma to want something simpler and more subtle, and I would expect Magic to be like a little kid adding on, like telling <laughs> Jumbo to add on all of these stupid things. Yeah. <laughs> like no more, more is better. Can more is the, more. Make the horns bigger. Yeah. <laughs> She, she always to me has that like still little kid aspect of her in there that like comes out um and so I guess she never really got yeah, to be a kid so well, that's a good point there wow that does <laughs> yeah she never Drew, got to be a Drew kid just blew my fucking mind I'm like thinking back to like everything I know about Ilyana and I'm like holy shit that's what yeah wow <laughs> yeah she's she's definitely one of my favorite characters she's just she's so great Hey everybody, Nico here one last time with one last segment as Dante, Rod, and Raven take a look at the most recent issue of X-Core, a part of the Hellfire Gala. Guys, we love making this show for you twice a week, every week, so until next time, keep those mutant lights, let those Krakoan gateways open, and we'll see ya. Hello, welcome to the next segment of X's for Podcast. I am Rod Savage. That's a new thing that I'm working with. It's fine. Wow. Um, you can find me at at Rod comma the on Twitter and Instagram. And today we have with us the dangerous Dante. Hey everyone, this is Dante, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Inferno Magic. That's magic with a K. And also with us today is Raven. Hello, it's Raven, aka Dame Red Bento. I know your wonderful player, Art Ho Auntie. How are you doing, guys? <laughs> love it, love it. So today we were talking about the very professional business of X Corp issue two by Tini Howard is the writer, Alberto Fo is the artist, Sunny Gao is the color artist, and DC's Clayton Cowles is the letter. X Corp issue two definitely had a place in the gala. It was mm-hmm. mainly in the gala. I actually like like how they did incorporate X Corp into the gala. It was nice. Um, we still don't like me and me and Dante talked about this kind of in the green room chat. <laughs> um, like, what is the purpose of X Corp? And because you know we have the Hellfire, I mean, we not have the Hellfire Club. Um, mm-hmm. You know, giving the medicine or the standard medicine to the human population and saving the mutants standard mutants and all that what is x corp doing and we were like well x corp was a thing for a mutant business before krakoa and now they're incorporating it again to try to make different medicines and different things so they can make even more money more business for you know the mutant nation so i think that's why they made you know jamie madrox a doctor in like a month as they said in this issue which is the fastest program i think anyone's ever used to become a doctor <laughs> I just want to know what that looked like. Like, do you just make a room of 30 and we all sit down for the lecture or do you divide them up and they're each learning different things and then you have to reabsorb them. So you reabsorb all that knowledge. Like technically, yeah, he could have done four to seven years worth of work in say a month or so. It would have been exhausting though. I'm just just saying, just saying, but, but it is technically uh, doable with his cloning abilities. What I don't like though, is you still have the, the one, you know, the, the lead, (laughs) the original who is the doctor and yet all of his clones are treated like staff like like the help and it's really kind of disturbing on a lot of levels 
when he um, disciplines one of his clones at at the gala and just yeah just absorbs him back up yeah. yeah and then and then tells the next clone you know if you want the same keep staring I'm like ooh sir this this has some antebellum south kind of shit going on here like. <laughs> Yeah, I would say if you want a deeper insight of how Jamie Maldrox is like with his clones and all of that, definitely me, definitely read Matthew Rosenberg's um, one through five issue of Multiple Mm -hmm. Man. That's a real good insight of kind of who he is, kind of in a way. Also, obviously, his past X Factor run that he was in and leading up. Obviously, you get a big deeper insight of who he is reading that as well. (laughs) true but yeah jamie's a doctor now Mm -hmm. yeah it feels like it's a sorry just just to jump in with the with the jamie chatter is it feels like a big departure from how he's been written before and i i don't know like how long it's been that way but i mean there was a long period where every dupe that he created essentially was an aspect of his personality and like went off and you know did their own thing i mean they were living their own lives at one point and so like i'm not sure when that shifted anymore but i don't i don't like it either like i i really enjoyed when it was like you almost couldn't tell who the real jamie was anymore you know like to me that makes way more sense but i mean if this is the progression of the character if that's how he's been written more recently like that's fine i guess um but i don't i don't love it i loved jamie i i think it is it peter david's x factor like that's when i really really loved Jamie Madrox and like X Factor Investigations. Um, I thought that was just like, it was really great uh, character building for him. This feels lesser, unfortunately. I just, yeah, I just don't love it as much. Yeah, I would, I feel like he turned this way definitely because of what happened to him in Matthew Rosenberg's Multiple Man, which is a good series, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you definitely learn why he's more like this with his dupes now yeah. um, based on what happened. Cause like a lot of shit happened. <laughs> so for, for y'all and for the listeners who haven't read it um definitely read it because yeah, no, no, that, that's, that's a fair assessment that is a fair assessment but yeah i, I like how um i like how trinary calls him out and is like don't you have a wife and a child and like where is where where are they he's like you, you he's like you shut up <laughs> right i was like oh I mean, trinary is all of us, right? Like, I've been asking those questions, too. Like, where is Layla Miller? Mm -hmm. How ridiculous is it? You know, like, he's... Jamie Madrox is such an integral part of Krakoa. I mean, you see him working everywhere. Staffing everything. Every event. Every establishment. Like, he is kind of the backbone of Krakoa. So, like, where's his family? Like, give us more Jamie. And uh, hopefully we'll look at more of him. But I I would love to see more of his family. Yeah, I really would. Speaking of, you know, the mutant family and everything, we get a lot of, obviously, Monet and Angel. But I love that because we don't get to see a lot of psychics kind of playing around with this, giving people's personal space and personal privacy. And she's in his head while he's in the shower. And she's like, oh she can my see God. everything. I'm just like, Monet does not care. <laughs> but that seemed kind of like a, a weird departure for her. Because I don't I don't quite remember her being this invasive with her mental power. Like, she just she just dives right on. I felt like, I almost felt like calling her, you know, Charles Xavier for a while. Um, with the way she just kind of dives into people's minds lately. And like, oh, excuse me, I'm in the shower. Yeah, I've got other things to do. I'm sorry. Is is this the Charles Xavier School for Gifted Psychopaths? What is 
wrong with you? But you know, in all fairness, like Angel's pretty shameless anyway. Like it's not like he's actually oh, yeah. bothered by it. Like he's he's a pretty boy. He knows it. He likes to flaunt it anyway. So I'm sure there's a part of him True. that kind of enjoys the attention. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely. I don't know. If, I don't know if I really sense it in this book, but I'm assuming there's probably sexual tension between them two because they're both beautiful people. So. Well, no, no, no. What sexual tension? I know. They it's not there. Be, they are, not oh, there. they are so, like, they are so dry. <laughs> like, we're talking there. about the Gobi and the Sahara, you know? They're both <laughs> deserts. They do their thing. Like, I don't feel any tension between them. And that's that's the weird part, I guess? Yeah. Because it's like, she is treating literally every single exchange like it is a transaction. And, like, there's not any sort of empathy behind anything she's doing which i'm just I'm watching her set up dominoes and i'm just going like okay i get why she's doing it because some of it is really very much about you know creating the optics that you want to see and x corp i think is, is is exactly what it says it's it's a corporation it just happens to be run and staffed by mutants and, and it, it shows in the way they kind of interact at the gala and with each other and, and with these emissaries and ambassadors and whatnot. Like, everybody has their role and you better fill it and make sure the optics look good and here's some espionage. I'm like, they really are like a corporation. Oh, definitely. I mean, I feel like Monet is good for that because, you know, she has kind of the stern, you know, no bullshit kind of attitude, especially with like her face. And she's just like, I'm going to get the shit done. You know, she's like, I am serious and I am mean and I'm going to get this shit done. Or if you don't let me, I'm going to kill you. And that's just how she, I mean, we see that in this story. Uh, thankfully towards racists and not like actual people. <laughs> oh, <laughs> But before we get to that part, why, why are they allowed? That's what I want to know. Why are they allowed on Krakoa at I, I think, all? I think they're allowed just because, I mean, the same way Apocalypse and Sinister were allowed, just because it's a clean slate for all mutants. Everyone's giving like a third or fourth or tenth chance. Like, this yeah. is the final chance. Yeah. Final chance. <laughs> I know. Okay. But I'm going deep me. in there. Bitch. Like, up to the, up to the show. Bitch. No they one wants them there. They had, they had their second chance when they were resurrected. How they have not been murdered since oh, then, yeah. I don't know. Like, Oh, definitely. Oh, my God. They are horrible people. And, oh, oh, and the people they are talking to. Huh, oh, they were so step 40. And I'm like, mm-hmm, girl, Molly, you in danger. <laughs> <laughs> I am a little bit confused with, with Fenris for one reason. I can't remember what issue it is now, but I feel like earlier in the gala, in one of the other gala issues, we saw them toasting with Emma and the Hellfire Trading Club. Do you remember that scene? I feel yes. like Fenris was there as part of the toast. And I was like, Fenris, why are they there? Unless, I mean, unless I, you know, mistook them for someone else. But, you know, that made me think, oh, maybe they're getting involved with Hellfire. And then X-Core kind of threw me off because it was like, oh, they... Like, they're trying to well, weasel their way around places, so I don't know what's happening Technically, there. Technically, they are in the Hellfire Club because Shaw yes. inducted them in. Um, Which without, I find hilarious. Yeah, uh, without Emma's knowledge. So technically, they are a part of it, but none of them... No one wants them there. Like, we see even in the... I forget, I think it was Cable or New Mutants when they were fighting in the Crucible 
for someone. Um, the Fenris twins were there, and like someone was like, "We don't. Even, no one even likes you." You know, it was Marauders. It, okay, was, it was Marauders, Marauders? Okay. when Callisto is going into the Crucible, That's and she's right. the Fenris twins stand up, and she's like, "Look, I would like to be reborn. I don't want to be in the hole for the rest of my life." Like, and she was right. Like, if if the Fenris twins had stepped in, she wouldn't have gone. Oh, okay, I'm gonna go light on my power. No, nah, she would have done everything she had in her like shake, 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 shake. Shink, 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 shink. It's like, listen, they're dead. You're shanking soup at this point. <laughs> no, I Man, definitely get oh, that. It's horrible. There's, I hate and it. luckily, they got their comeuppance in this book. But oh more of the people that we kind of like, except for like one of them that was a human, unfortunately, the, <laughs> they had the Hellfire Gala meeting schedule. Like, this party wasn't all fun and games for some people. They actually had meetings. And mm-hmm. I do like the first one that they see because we haven't seen him in a hot minute, basically since Extreme X Men. I mean, we saw him a little bit since then, but his mm-hmm. bigger spot was in Extreme X Men. It was Neil uh, Shira, Shira, I think that's how you oh, say yeah. it. Oh yeah, yeah, aka Thunderbird, the other Thunderbird. Yeah. <laughs> and I do like that he's in there because, like I've said this in other uh, other episodes, that we should have more Asian representation in the mutants mm-hmm. on Krakoa. Like we have a lot of white American mutants, so are right. Russian. So we need other, you know, representation of races in mutantdom. Because I mean, mutants are all over the world, and they're being born and reborn from all mm-hmm. like of other cultures as well. We need to see them. So I'm glad we Absolutely. are. Yeah, no, I am. I'm dead on, straight up with you. I loved how much non-white representation there actually was in this book between Trinary, Sunspot, uh, Thunderbird, Monet. Like, we got to actually see a lot of good representation mm-hmm. across the board. And it was fabulous. Oh my god. So, so, so many despicable people here. Speaking of despicable <laughs> and fabulous, Celine is here. Oh, <laughs> right. I'm like, I ha- Oh, she's the bad guy. I'm supposed to hate her. Oh, God, I love her outfit. <laughs> Dante, what did you think about Celine showing up in the meeting? I'm torn. Like, I love the interaction. Like, she's a good character for kind of playing with the devil a little bit. You know, like, she's she makes sense in a lot of ways to, to bring into the business. But there's something about her, like, that I just never can trust, though. Like, how can you... how? Can you get into business with someone like that? Like, every, I feel like every time we see Celine, she's always doing something, you know, that only really works out for her. So I don't know. But I mean, it was kind of fun to see her kind of toying around with Angel and, and teasing him a little bit. So I'm excited to see where it goes. But I, I just can't remember, like, I feel like she's she's had some other appearances recently. And it, it, I feel like what's been going on with Celine has been really questionable uh, outside of Krakoa. And so I'm wondering how that's if that's going to play into her getting involved with Equor at all. They did. I'm, I'm glad they did mention that in a little synopsis because I was I've been wondering that too because I know she's in Captain America. Or at least she was for like a hot minute, like disrupting his like I don't know his story or whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's good. It's written by Tanasi Coates, so I'm sure it's good. I'm gonna wait to trade weight it because it's just. I waited too long. Um, but yeah, she's in there not being good. But yeah, she said there are some pretty nasty rumors about what she's been up to when she's been away from Krakoa, really nasty. I know she was like killing people or whatever. So I'm like, why is she not in the hole? I guess because no one told on her. <laughs> like, 
and also Apocalypse killed her recently and then she got brought back. So I guess it kind of was like whatever, but I don't know. Well, Celine is really, really, really good at what she does. Mm-hmm. And I mean, she can find every loophole, every technicality. She is smooth. She is like, like I don't trust Sebastian Shaw. If his ass is not literally stapled to that <laughs> wheelchair for the rest of it, I, I, I don't even trust him in the chair, okay? I, don't, I wouldn't trust her unless she was buried at the center of the earth with her head in my hand, her body somewhere else. And even then, I want cameras on both of them at all points in time because I don't trust this bitch. Like, she's too good at what she does. Just saying. Just she's saying. a lot. I mean, she had a whole event because oh, of yeah. her. So, like, she's a force to be reckoned with. And we definitely... Mm-hmm. Haven't seen the last of her. I wouldn't mind her actually probably on the X-Corp Council because like she would be probably good for the mutant business. Like honestly, oh, yeah. she would scare the shit out of corporations, like the CEOs and shit. So mm-hmm. hey. And she I mean, easy to kill people. But you're not supposed to kill humans. So that's hey, the law. Hey, supposedly. if they fall off their yacht in international waters and their body is never found, that is not her fault. If a body dies if, in an open if, ocean, if, is it, are they really dead? Right. <laughs> I mean, they slipped and fell. The pool boy tried to help them, but, you know, shit happened. But, you know, we move on from the meetings that are fun and a little hijinks and everything. And right. we already brought the feminist tins, but I'm glad <laughs> that this is like, I feel like the um, the conclusion of them, or at least of what they've been. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, not probably not the conclusion, but no. at least like what they've been doing so far. Because I like that all the mutants, even Mastermind, comes together and is like, fuck them. Even Clint Quire's like, fuck them. <laughs> When you can get the biggest assholes of Krakoa to agree with you to just go, fuck them, let's fuck their shit up. Yeah, yeah, you know you're an asshole. <laughs> the fact that I liked Quentin Choir a little bit more after this. Oh, Lord. I've liked him a lot during this whole Krakoa era. He's he's grown on me a lot. Right? Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, no, like, she straight up, like, oh, man. They straight up went ahead and went with the, you know, the Stepford wife meets Sabrina, the freaking middle-aged bitch. And just, <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, they've, they've gone with the competition, which could be very, very, very bad news. Um, especially since they're working with Shaw, and Shaw has a bone to pick with Emma so yeah yeah Yeah. i'm really glad that you guys reminded me that they actually were part of um the black king's inner circle like that because that to me gives it gives more credence to what they're doing they're scheming and i mean there's a good chance that they could be scheming for shaw i mean we know he's not happy with things the way they are uh even though we're not seeing him in x core i mean they very well could be still working and doing you know something that's going to benefit him um i mean which is of course the reason why he, he would align himself with with the fenris one when nobody else wants to deal with them so i mean if he can find value in them i'm sure he'll use them even if you know and, or they could be a complete misdirect because everybody doesn't trust them and so that like kind of takes the heat off of shaw so yeah the yeah. enemy of my enemy is my friend mm-hmm. well and i mean I'm, I'm i'm pretty sure that monet has at least in this one taken care of one of them yeah it looks like both of them have been taken care of for the most part angel and monet are forces to be reckoned with but oh, yeah. like, speaking of Angel's whole debacle, like Dante, what did you think of Mastermind 
coming back because the last time we saw him he was like dealing with sinister and aliens and then he got free from that and like he's out for koa again now yeah it's uh it's interesting because i feel like he is he's one of those characters that can easily uh weave in and out of situations i mean his power basically gives him that ability to to not let anything stick he can kind of mess around with stuff and you know, move Scott free. So I, it's it's nice to see that you know he he showed up in one comic and is still getting used in another. Um, you know, it brings that sense of cohesiveness. You you know the Krakoan era. Um, but I I think the use of Mastermind in this issue is really interesting because I think. Like obviously, you know, we, we you've said it before. This this comic is about optic, and obviously, both of our our CXOs have things to hide, and you know, like I it was it was a brilliant move. Uh, and a great power move for Mastermind to show how he can be useful uh, to Angel, who apparently doesn't have full control over his transformation. Like, I think I think that's kind of huge, you know, and like, especially in an era where it feels like everybody is uh, happy and celebrated and, you know, we're a gay mutant um, and embracing, you know, mutant powers. But like, I, I think Angel and I think Monet to a degree as well are having trouble controlling controlling those powers. They can't control their anger. That's that's why in the beginning like the the promotion poster of reign of x you see angel and monet with each other both their halves of their selves both of their different like destructive personalities are more violent personalities because it just comes out like that's part of their mutant power that's i feel like that kind of brings back to um what was said in like hox pox it's like a lot of mutants can't control like how they were in their past because of their behavior, like Mystique or Sabretooth or something like that, because their mutant power provokes them to do those certain things. Like it, mm. it influences their behavior, you know? So that could be the same thing for Angel and Monet because they both, that wasn't their standard powers at first, but now they developed those powers or were given those powers in a sort of sense. So now it is a part of their mutant ability and it's influencing them. I mean, it's both for both of them, it's influenced their whole lives. So for better or for worse. <laughs> I, I kind of, uh, I like the fact that they've been made to run the corporation. Cause I mean, very much like we've been saying, it's about optics, it's about the look. Well, that's exceedingly true of those two. Their forward face that most of the public sees is Monet and, and Warren. Very nice, perfectly coiffed, beautifully put together. Um, but who they are at the core could be a little bit more amoral and ugly and 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 vicious um and their their inner selves that we only get to see are very reminiscent of some of their scariest and most violent times like mm. when archangel was was part of uh, apocalypse's four horsemen he was terrifying it was terrifying. And now, yes, he has that under control and he has his regular wings back, but I mean, it's still there. It's always going to be in the surface. And Monet, when she goes full penance, she loses a lot of uh, uh, the critical thinking skills, we'll call it. And, and it's just this vicious, violent, you know, searching for vengeance creature, practically. So, yeah. No, it makes absolute sense that these two-faced mutants are corporation leaders <laughs> it does it does they they fit the mo and it makes sense that 
for the board of directors, they hire or they make Mastermind the the other CXO because he is good for business and he can also make illusions so we can, you know, better corporate meetings or what have you. You know, like that's think of how many business owners or CEOs or whatever would want to have Mastermind's power. It's scary because it's not a great power to have if you're doing that. It's very manipulative. But my question for y'all would be, who would you want to be in the spot of the next CXO? And I'm assuming, I guess, the chairperson as well. I don't know. It's all blacked out. So I don't know if they're going to actually put someone there. But the CXO definitely is going to have somebody soon. I'm I'm trying to think of someone who would like fit mm. that, that kind of uh, being able to manipulate large crowds really well spoken um thank god it's not going to be sinister because <laughs> no i don't think anyone would want that <laughs> i don't think even sinister would want that it's too much it's too much i'm sure one of his suffering. clones would but you know yeah like argh. yeah no that'd be frightening if somebody like sinister was but i'm like I mean, I know precogs aren't allowed on Krakoa, but could they allow a precog on the board of X-Corp? Somebody who could predict what uh, business uh, rivals might do or how, I don't know, what, what the next day is going to look like. Are we going to need more of one product or less of another product or, you know, where could it go wrong? Like, could they put somebody like that in there? I don't know. What precogs are alive? Cause they're not going to, they're not going to bring anybody back. That'd be somebody that's already alive. <laughs> I was about to say, bring back Madeline Pryor. No, wait. <laughs> uh, Dante, who do you think would be, should be on the fourth seat? I, gosh, this, I mean, that's such a tough question. Cause like, I, I'm, I feel like I'm still trying to understand X core. Like, I, I think I think part of my disconnect is that I I mean I know that we've been talking about X Core for a long time right before we even finally got this book and so like you know I think in the first issue you know they met they mentioned like a launch and I and I was like oh has X Core not been around this whole time I was thinking like this was the first time they're launching like how do they fit into everything um but I think this is more of a relaunch and a rebranding and like you know uh, you know I think you mentioned it Rod like they're they're developing further the businesses of Krakoa and like what Krakoa is involved in with the world and so I just I don't know because like the the chemistry of, of what's happening right now with the board just seems so weird to me right like so so right now it's like okay are they look are uh, Monet and Warren looking for board members who really are going to help them or are they looking for board members that are going to help the actual organization because they've extended uh invitations to Jamie and to Trinary and they're having meetings with other people. So I'm like, I'm kind of confused. Like, what are they really trying to accomplish with this board? With that sense of confusion, if for no other reason, because I like drama, uh, because like the... <laughs> <laughs> These books are like, well, if you like drama. <laughs> I want to. I want to see another villain get an opportunity to step up, be part of the the board. Because I think going again with optic, yes, you know, you want to put your your best faces forward, but you also want to show the rehabilitation of mutants. And so I think having Mastermind and another villain character would be really cool. Who that could be, I don't know, because already I'm getting kind of a strong Hellfire connection with all of these characters. And so I feel like it needs to be someone not Hellfire related. But I mean, I just I don't know what directions they could go with that. I don't I don't know. I you know I would want Celine. Started and mentioned, 
Um, but that she does give a big hellfire. Yeah, exactly. Presence, obviously. <laughs> um, and I did, I just don't trust her with mastermind cause she mm. could easily probably take Angel and Monet, maybe, it, it, maybe Mo, Monet more than Angel. Maybe, mm. it just, maybe not at the same time. Um, but with mastermind's help, definitely. So, oh, yeah. so it's, it's, and Mastermind is so easy to manipulate. That's all. I mean, he's a coward. <laughs> so, like, he's a submissive with a praise kink. Yeah. Yeah. See, there you go. He is. That's, that's exactly what he is. He, he doesn't stick up for himself that much. And if you praise his power, then he's like, oh, I'm all yours. So that's exactly, mm-hmm. that's a good point, Raven. Uh, but if not Celine, if all these meetings were kind of fake outs, which I kind of feel like they were since uh, Roberto was here, because <laughs> no one's going to put Sunspot on anything. I'm sorry. There's not. Um, at least not for this type of thing. He has money. That's what he's used for. That's I it. I am the son of the <laughs> And I, honestly, I would want another female anyway, because mm. we already have two men. Our nine binary or what? Not a male. You know, anything but another mm. male. So I don't know. I don't know what what villains that are probably good at business that are that we've seen. I might even haven't seen whatever. Uh, Enter Sabretooth. I would love to see someone we haven't seen in a long time like that. I think that yeah. would make it more exciting as well. You know, yeah, mix it up. But I just for the life of me, I can't think of anybody that would be brilliant. So I would like to see someone that we haven't seen since like the nineties or eighties. Everyone just forgot about something just out of the blue and they're like oh yeah that was a villain mutant oh cool Fantasia. There we go. or is it who stock Fantasia market or, man who, who, who was the character maybe maybe i'm getting the name wrong she she was on the mlf i think and she basically mm. was just like a floating cape like you didn't really see her body <laughs> or maybe it was see, it that would be cool. something like that i, I don't think know it was oh Oh yeah! Just something random. There we go. That's my that god awful mask. I know exactly (laughs) who you're talking about. Like white hair and just like no body but a cape. It's like if a dominatrix, a matador, (laughs) and an aerobics instructor had a kid. Boom! That's her costume. Like wow, Raven, you just explained the '90s. Like (laughs) you did, honestly. You really, really did. 